It doesn't matter if you're visiting Pandora or helping a trash panda escape from the collector. If you need travel arrangements, email Becca, that's B-E-K-K-A, at adventuresoutthertravel.com. If you're just looking for a great deal, or if you've got musketeer money and want to live concierge style, that's fine. Becca at Adventures Out There Travel can help you. Now just enjoy the 3 o'clock parade. It's going to be cut into two segments today, and it's a little bit different. The first part's drunky interviewing Chase from the party. And the second part is the Imagineer panel that went on at the Guardians of the Galaxy grand opening party. Enjoy, guys. Hey, Kungaloosh. Viva Gaia. Very excited to play this interview as... What a funny way that social media works is we were able to talk about the party on the show a couple weeks ago. Rhiannon pulled some facts off Wikipedia and the internet and found, turned out we did not have the whole story. And it was really funny that Chase, Chase and Hampton from the party, founding member, called us out on Twitter about our lack of historical accuracy and just happened to be coming down to Florida this last weekend. And we were able to meet up at... He asked, where should we meet up? And I said, how about Disney's Hollywood Studios? Because back in the old MGM Studios days, that's where they filmed the Mickey Mouse Club and several of the videos from the party, it turns out. So he had such a cool um, career so far and very interested uh, to hear all about it. Made a new friend of the show, new friend uh, for us, the Hashtag Family and uh, 3 O'Clock Parade. Uh, ended up meeting up the next night at Pandora because he wanted had never been. And so we had a great night on uh, Sunday night as well. Um, really had a great time. Good family man and great guy. So look forward to hearing the interview now. So let's go live to Disney's Hollywood Studios in front of the giant guitar at Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith live. Live, mic check, mic check. We are live here at Disney's Hollywood Studios and I am standing here with, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, the party. We're standing here with Chase Hampton, one of the founding members of the party. He is a actor, musician, renaissance man, and uh, would you say uh, a uh, founding member of the Man Bun Club? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am a head on all hairdos. <laughs> Well, welcome to the three o'clock parade. Thank you so much. Happy to be here, my friend. Yes. So we talked about the party. We gave a terrible history of the party uh, as on the fly. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's not really written in history or in stone. So it's it's a lot of people have different perceptions of what what happened to the party or what is of the party. So yes. So Rhiannon gave we gave a little bit of a of a list and uh, and it was really fun. You you called us out called us on our errors that we did not have the full story. Well, you and, said Summer uh, Vacation was the biggest hit, which is definitely not. Summer Vacation was done by Delicious Vinyl, which is totally cool, which was done by like uh, Funky Cole Medina and Tom yeah. Oak and all that. So the, we had a really cool crew do that. But the biggest single was definitely In My Dreams. Dee Dee Rocked In My Dreams. That old, right. That Dokken remake and got it up to number 16 on uh, Casey Kasem's Top 40 Countdown. And uh, I think that's about the highest it went. But yeah. we were happy to break Top 40 for sure. Oh, for sure. Well... We're gonna spend a little time together with Chase, and we're gonna get this. We're gonna get the whole story, and really, 
uh, show us where we went wrong on our <laughs> timeline. But first, we are standing in front of the Rock and Roller Coaster. So do you think it's a good day, way to start off a, uh, a visit than to hit the Rock and Roller Coaster? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? Aerosmith fan, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. More, more recently, because now I'm in Boston, and he's kind of Boston native. And uh, yeah. we went and saw uh, uh, that acoustic show he's out doing right now. He's okay. kind of the stripped-down version of Aerosmith. And my wife was uh, almost, she had, she had one month left to go on her pregnancy. And I swear to God, that baby was doing flips in there, listening to all the Aerosmith songs. And he, <laughs> he rocked it, man. What an amazing vocalist. I sure. love it. I hope this stays a while. Yeah. They're, they're talking maybe this could go away as the theme of the ride, but who knows? We'll see. Let's go check it out. Ellen has joined us, 3 o'clock parade Ellen. news team. Hello. And good, she's going to walk the line with us. I'm sure yeah, she won't ride. I don't ride. But she'll, ride the, she'll walk the line with us, and uh, we'll catch up with you in a few minutes. All right, we are back. Ellen skipped tower, or uh, excuse me, rock and roller coaster. Yeah, that makes me sick. What is the uh, little VIP exit skip line like? What happens? Like, what's it like between the ride and the exit if you take the wimp way out? I can't tell you. The walk of shame. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I can't tell you though. It's secret. It's secret. It's only for VIP. <laughs> Wimps only. I got you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Drink holders, which is a very important position. Yes. Yes. She was our designated drink holder, so we appreciate that. Um, so we're back. Ellen, Daniel, Chase, and uh, of course, Mrs. D.A.D. So we had our timeline wrong, right? So let's start from the beginning, if you don't mind. Sure. So you're on the Mickey Mouse Club, obviously. On the Mickey Mouse Club. And who comes up with the idea? So like, I remember one of the big days on Mickey Mouse Club was when New Kids on the Block showed up. Oh, yeah. And it was just like mayhem. It was mayhem. Was that, I assume that's about the same time people started talking like, we should probably do something like that. It's funny because Albert and uh, a couple of the guys, we were, we were talking to Donnie backstage and we were like, you know, what's it like? They definitely got our eyes set on that for sure. Because um, the crowd would go nuts like to us, you guys, but they went nuts for the New Kids on the Block. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they were New Kids on the Block. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, they were at that point, they were already out and uh, being pushed and, you know, Selling out, so oh, yeah. selling out big arenas. So yeah, for sure, they were. That was awesome. They were extremely cool to us. But you know, we saw that as like, okay, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who's we? Like, you guys Damon, are Damon and Albert and I definitely uh, walked. We kind of got hats made, called three in a hole. We were walking around thinking, well, we're gonna, we're gonna three do three in a hole. Yeah, we were just like coming up with band names, all right. like, trying to, you know, we were trying. You know, back then it was all '90s rap stuff. Yeah. And, you know. Um, but we really wanted to do it. I don't know if they caught wind of us doing it or every, just the clouds, you know, everything just kind of the planets aligned. Yeah. Because Hollywood Records was obviously being formed at that point. And, Which was uh, the Disney label. Disney label. And Walt Disney Records wasn't doing things like that. They were doing just Disney music that, that I remember. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hollywood Records was kind of their way to get away with other things, like Touchstone was. Yeah, they were doing that with Touchstone, yeah. yeah so it's kind of like they can do more risque movies or do more adult kind of things. So they used Hollywood Records, and we were the first band signed to Hollywood Records. Now, if you go to Wikipedia, you're not going to see that for some reason. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh! A little wiping of the, uh, wiping of the history yeah, books? They, somebody's forgotten that part. But yeah, we were the first band signed to uh, Hollywood Records, along with... Um, they bought the Queen catalog. Really? They bought the Queen catalog, which was a huge, you got it, which was a huge uh, advantage for them because soon after that, Wayne's World came out, 
and the Bohemian Rhapsody went off the charts. Oh. And then, of course, Freddie died soon after that, so he became... Oh, I iconic, remember that era where it was... Legend, yeah. And that music was everywhere. So they had spent a lot of money 90s. and bought that catalog. So Hollywood Records owned that at that point. But many kind of think that Hollywood Records was kind of a, a breeding ground or like a, a way for them to kind of test the waters for what was to come. The Miley Cyruses, the Demi Lovatos. Right. The kind of machine that became created. Oh my god, yeah, because Disney Channel... Which was back under, I believe, it wasn't under Hollywood Records, it was back under Walt Disney again. So they kind of took back control of the pop world. You know. um, but yeah, they signed us, uh, spent a ton of money, um, put us on the road. We were on the road with Color Me Bad, Vanilla Ice, Taylor Dane. So they, in the end, they approached you guys. And so who decided, like, how did you decide who got in and who didn't? Because I, I, no, just no offense, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, Brandy was my favorite. I think Brandy was definitely on the checklist. I think yeah. she was going... I'm not sure why or why who got chosen was chosen, but um, there were certain numbers that we did on the yeah. show that um, that had us five in them. Right. And then there was another selection of numbers where Brandy was in them and I wasn't. Or, yeah, oh. And then we did, I think, Dancing in the Streets. We did the Ace Awards, and um, five of us went out there and did the Ace Awards, and they pulled us aside at that point up in the lobby at the Wiltern in LA and said here's what we're going to do and just kind of sold us the whole dream yeah. you know, we gotta, we're going to call Michael Jackson we're going to call this person yeah. we're going to set you up with the greatest of greatest and you guys are going to be a band which means you're going to be off the Mickey Mouse Club but you're still going to be on the Mickey Mouse Club because there was no social media back then so yeah. what was really great that they did for us was Disney Channel constantly promoted the party in between the shows Yes. so you always knew where the party was going to be you know, if you were watching the show. Yeah. We'd kind of get cut in the commercials, or we would be like, you know, a transition piece, or we might even do a guest appearance from the road, you know, reading fan mail or whatnot. So we were always under contract with uh, the show, but we were off it for a number of seasons. And then I came back and hosted at the very end after all that was over. But well, let's take a break for a second as we hear the first order march coming through here at Hollywood Studios. So we should probably take a break. We should salute. Probably salute, show our respect. And then we're probably gonna come to we're probably gonna come to you live, live? from the Tune In Lounge in just a few moments. So uh, <laughs> that's where they make the best drinks, right? I believe so. All right. I think so. <laughs> that's it. All right, we're back. We went to the Tune In Lounge. Um, Chase had a favorite uh, bartender who makes the best drinks. Who was that again? Julie. Julie. That's right, Julie. Julie. And she was totally like, hey, welcome back. Good drinks, big hugs, big smiles. How's the wife? You know, she yeah. like part of the family. That's that's pretty amazing, right? She's <laughs> seen a lot of faces since I've seen her. That is pretty cool. So let's see, where were we? Um, the party had just been formed. The party had just been formed. Let's see. Uh, and you guys, they basically chose, they pulled you aside. You're the five that are going to, we're going forward with you guys. So is there any... Any, do you have any idea why Brandy wasn't chosen? But you said you might have been out if she was. Well, no, it probably would have been one of the girls. Oh. They were probably, they were probably toying between, you know, Rocky was on there too. Oh, and, yeah. And the black girl, she could sing amazing. Um, still can. And um, there, was, there was so many talented people on there, but I think they, they were looking for, like, uh, the dancer, the singer, the kind of, you know, the personality, I'm not really sure. I mean, Brandy's, yeah. Brandy's super talented. She's actually owns her own studio now. Down in I'm embarrassed to say I know that because I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, she's, got, she's got a beautiful family. Are you kidding me? She's, yeah, she's doing great. Yeah. So, 
the, the party's formed. The party's formed. They did, you a said? they did a contest to uh, name the band. I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Like were you happy with it or no? No, we were like, I didn't think oh, so. I didn't God. think so. Yeah, was like, what? And Michael Eisner chose it. So if you could have chosen at the time, I'm sure you guys had one that you liked better. Oh, what did sure. you want? Oh, yeah, I can't even remember. It, you know what? But the party ended up being a better choice now because of how... Like when people started getting Google uh, emails or they started getting Twitter or social media, you know, your name became taken real quick. So mm -hmm. the party is actually a very common name that if you have it, you know, it's pretty good to have. It I wish, is. I wish yeah. we would have had it. You know, we don't, we don't have it. Somebody else has the party. But, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to be the party 01. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we did say, I remember us going, okay, fine. If you're going to call us the party, then we're going to party. Yeah. Right? So every time we would walk in a radio interview, if it was six in the morning, drive time, I mean, we came in balls out. Yeah. Straight, screaming, hollering, you know, stealing people's cars in the parking lot, doing donuts. I mean, we were like, we were animals. We were going crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny you say that, because last night, just for fun, I was playing through YouTube, and I'm like, there was one of you guys with uh, Rick Dees on the uh, American Top 40, but the video, the show, whatever it was. Yeah, that's when he had his show. His yeah, night, his you guys did a performance, show. and uh, night same Dees. thing. Y'all were just going nuts in the background, like dancing while he's talking. It was great. Yep. <laughs> that just kind of became our thing, and we just kind of went with it. And, I mean, if you know, if, if you meet Damon, if you know Damon, you know, he is that. He is definitely embodies that kind of a personality. He's the kind of guy that... He walks in, and even if you want to hate him, you end up just laughing. You're like, oh my God, this guy is freaking great. You know? <laughs> he can light up a room like that. It's, it's an amazing talent. Yeah. Honestly. It's one of the best talents uh, out of the party, I, I think. I always tell him that. Now, you said as a joke, we'll call him up. Well, does he live it nearby here? Or? Well, he's in Houston. Houston, yeah, all right. Definitely try. We'll see. He's, <laughs> we'll do it. He's, we'll he's a, we'll he's do a, a live DJ. version of the show sometime. We'll all get on there. Oh, I he would definitely do it. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, because I did see, it's funny, I went back and one of the things I was doing, I started, I just got on uh, YouTube and just started going, he has a, his uh, commercial reel on there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I, that's from the Walmart ad. I totally watched that. And, and he, I didn't notice that it was him. He's not union anymore, so he gets a lot of opportunities to do a lot of gigs. It's, uh, yeah. He does a lot of local stuff in Houston. And, and what does that mean? I'm, I'm not in showbiz at all. He's not union anymore, so you can do more? Unfortunately, it's a weird thing. Being, you. Everybody wants to be union, like SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. And uh, so when you're in Hollywood, you really can't work unless you're SAG-AFTRA. They actually hold, withhold your check, mm. and they put it into the fund to join you up. Yeah. The ones here in the union are only supposed to do union gigs. Oh, uh, so, so like Walmart ad so is I'm like... I'm in Boston right now. Yeah. Damon's in Houston. So we're not in Hollywood. So these people will come in and they do their you know, small-time productions, and they'll go not union. And they'll get, you know, non-union actors, non-union crew. Gotcha. So you take it, you know, people say, well, you know, you shouldn't do it because uh, we're not supposed to do it because if you're in the union, you're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Get in trouble. But, you know, they say. Drives down the prices. A union that kind of is thing. a safer crew. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you get guaranteed pay, you know, in certain ways. They protect you in a lot of ways. Uh, but then, of course, you go to another state and there's not union gigs. So yeah. if you have to work, you got to work. It so. puts you in a rough spot to yeah. like, I want to work, but yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, so. But Damon does very well. He's, uh, he's one of the top DJs, if not the top, in, um, in uh, Houston. He does parties, you know. And as Colin, our 3 o'clock parade. The other day. Really? Yeah, he did a party for 50 Cent the other day. He did a party for the Super Bowl. You know, he's, he's, he does well. As Colin would say, he works out. He works out. He works a good-looking guy. 
Damon, good looking guy. He, he, he works out. He works out. I've seen the video of him working out. He works yeah. out. Well, he pushes his little product, his little uh, Thrive vitamin product. So he's that's his thing. So he, that's Thrive. And you want to contact Damon. That's right. <laughs> for Thrive. Yes. If you feel like thriving. <laughs> An animal. So let me paint a picture for you. We have now walked to what is now Pixar place here at Hollywood Studios. Yes. But this is the old stomping grounds. These are the sound stages. I could give you a million, I can give you a million conversations of things that happen right in this spot. Right, right here. <laughs> yes. Because, uh, uh, let's keep walking, because let's go down to the actual, school, it was the end one, right? The school used to be right here. They closed off this, I used to walk down there and peek to the gate, which used to piss them off a couple, you know, a couple mm -hmm. times. But um, the bungalows were obviously beyond. This is where we would come into the stage, because we used to be at stage three. The first shows were here in stage three. Okay, this one right here. Yes, so the, when they moved stages, they went to stage one and opened up into two two units. That's where I remember, because I came on vacation in like 89. I dissected my seventh grade frog right there in the street on a frog bench. Literally, they did all that stuff just just for you guys, basically. Because we were in school still, yes. Yeah. So we had tutors, and they, they would send in my work from Oklahoma, because I'm originally from Oklahoma. So my teachers in Oklahoma would send in my work, and I'd have to still oh, get my work done. Oh, so you did, oh, gotcha. It wasn't like homeschooling. They did like your home. Okay, they used gotcha. our homeschool, and then later on, after a couple years went by, they became they came up with a system, and they got this company called On Location Education that does that for a living. Yeah. And they enrolled us in Dr. Phillips. Okay. So yeah, I yeah. I graduated from Dr. Phillips as did Damon and uh, Damon and uh, Albert and Tiffany. No and, kidding. Uh, so you guys graduated from the school that is right across the street from Universal. Yeah. Then with Wayne Brady and all these other guys that came out of there. Yeah. Joey Fatone. Man, their wall of fame must be really good. <laughs> There's yeah. people we know, yeah. names we know came from there. Yeah. Good, good people, all good people. Right, but when I came on vacation in 89, it was that end studio, I remember that, because I came across, y'all weren't filming whenever I came in the this, summer. This actually used to be backstage. This whole street was backstage. Oh. So we used to run across here and go open the door and go pose in a great movie ride like we were in the western scenes. Get out, you could actually get in there? Oh yeah, we found our ways in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it, now, it's probably uh, closed off now. Our, we used to have our trailers here at one point. Then they moved us inside. But in the first seasons, they had our trailers here. Really? And the gate was right here. Okay. Right here to go into the park. So you could get... Okay, because I remember... Yeah, I remember it from that part. They okay. probably brought the audience in this way. Or yeah. through buses this way. In case you're curious where exactly we're standing, we're standing right in front of where the... Uh, the Jack Sparrow thing used to be. Like right in that little... Where they're building the entrance to Toy Story Land here. This, this up here was... You have a kid at the exact right moment because by the time they build this in like another two years, yeah. she'll be what, like four? Or she'll be ready to go. She'll be ready to party at uh, the Toy Story Land. Yep, she's seven months now. Seven months, yeah. okay. She's okay. already been here though. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Let's walk down to the studio that I remember. And on the way... All right, in the story, we have now formed the party. Brandy's out. Brandy's out. She's, she's doing great sorry. now, but she's out. She's, sorry, she's yeah. out. Maybe um, it was for her benefit. Maybe, possibly. We never know. And now you're producing music now. Producing music. And when you um, said something about Dr. Dre? Well, in the in the party, like they would like say, "Who do you guys want to work with?" And we would because they trusted us. As so far they did as, like, treat you guys pretty well, as far as they think, yeah. took your influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the president of Hollywood Records was a great guy, Peter, Peter Paterno, real fun guy. And uh, he would just bring us in and say, you know, talk to us and tell us how it was going to be, basically. But because that's not how we picture it, you know, we picture like your typical boy band kind of thing. Like, here's what you're going to sing. That kind we of. We had thing. a way of like charming people because we were kids, you know, yeah. like, and we were rascals, you know. So and we always worked with adults, so 
we weren't scared to talk to adults or ask for things, you know. So we said, you know, hey, we want to work with people we want to work with. And he said, okay, let me see what I can do. So we were like, okay, Teddy Riley. He's like, I may make a phone call. I got Teddy Riley on the phone. He's like, okay, you guys come down. I'm working with Bobby and Whitney right now, but you know, you definitely can come what? down. And in between, the, in between the times, we'll do some songs. Great. So we did that, and then uh, we were like, we want to work with Dr. Dre. He gets Easy E on the phone. So we had a conference Get call. Get out. You had a conference call with Easy E. Absolutely. Yeah, it was one of the greatest <laughs> memories. And um, he, he said, absolutely, absolutely. Now this was during the time. If you watch the. Uh, the NWA movie. Yeah, yeah, I love that. During movie. that time. Yeah. So Suge came, picked us up. Suge took over the gig because Suge was getting work for Dre, because Suge was managing Dre at the time. Yeah. And not now, obviously, but then. No, yeah. So Suge would come pick us up, and I'd be chilling in the front seat right there, where you know all the shit went down. Yeah. Went but he would take us to Benihana, and then we'd come back, yeah. and we'd go to Dre's house, and we'd work. He's like, "Do you have a uh, Vanillaize's number? We need to talk to him." <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> We learned a lot from Dre. I mean, just he was a hard, hard worker. The guy would never get up. And the DOC actually wrote the song for us. The DOC wrote most of the first NWA songs. And then he was like, I don't know if you remember this song. Let's get in funky, let's get in funky. Yeah. Yeah. He was like touted as going to be the best rapper ever. And he got in a car accident. Yeah. And the um, steering wheel hit his throat. And, he, and his thing is he never wanted to go under. He never wanted to do the surgery. So he just became a writer and kept writing for Dre. Um, but he was there, Snoop was there, and our first night there, we were trying to get the lyrics, and Snoop was in jail, and trying to give it, his one phone call was to Dre, trying to give us the lyrics, and he's like making them up. It was, it was an amazing, it, it, so then he, later on, we would, we would record, and um, they'd all be there, and they were all drinking 40s, and the laws there, <laughs> so great. the laws there are insane for kids, so it, after one of the parents came in or saw it, I don't know what happened, I think, I don't know whose mom came in and saw it. But they, the social worker is always supposed to be there, or a teacher is always supposed to be on scene when there's a minor working. Whether they're doing school or they're not. If they're not doing school, they just hang in the back with their social worker. So they actually, it's a paid position for these people in California. Yeah. Um, which is great for kids. But So all of a sudden, our social worker comes in the next day, not the first day, but the next day, they, and they, she finds out we're working with Dre. And they tell Dre what's going on. So you see all these guys going in the back, coming out with these little styrofoam cups. <laughs> and orange juice and gin, right? So I'm like, okay, cool, right? We all know what they're doing. Yeah. They're just keeping it out of sight, out of mind, whatever. And then after the, the session was over... Like put, pros, man, he pros. In, he puts in a dat, he's like, I won't play you guys something. He puts in a dat tape. I don't know if you remember what dat tapes are. It's like digital audio tapes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Little, they don't use yeah, them yeah. anymore. Um, and it was his first mixes, his first ideas of um, gin and juice. No kidding. And I'm like, oh my God, is that, you this is a gin and juice right now. I was like, oh, it's got So when you heard the song later, you're like, are you kidding me? I was there. I don't think they wrote it then, but that's what they were into. That's what, yeah. they, were, that's what they were doing. They had written that song and um, a couple of the other big hits. And Snoop, Snoop was, hasn't come out yet at that point. Right. He's, he's getting ready to launch. And they're just like going, this guy's going to be like the best thing ever. So... Yeah, it was, that was at was this cool moment, just to paint you a picture, I'm currently at football practice right now in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there with Dr. Dre, and I'm at football practice. Now, now seeing the Somewhere movie, I went wrong. Seeing the movie later now, and knowing that in between the nights that we were there, what was going on in that same studio right? is like mind-blowing. And our parents let us, you know, trusted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, take him to Anihana, sure. Yeah, okay. yeah sure. <laughs> I mean, jeez. like upstanding citizens. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, but it was great that they gave us that experience, you know, to, uh, that's a priceless experience, you know, oh, yeah, you can't absolutely. pay for that. So no. Those are the great things Disney did for us. That what is a great era, I guess. Byproduct of what they intended, I'm sure, yeah. but, yeah.
It was many other great producers too. Joey Bean Benitez, Stephen Bray. They did all Madonna stuff. Favorite song from your time with the party? Of yours? I probably will say Frontin', which was done by Damon and Albert. Who They did that with Andre Simone, who was Prince's best friend when they were growing up. So they like, Andre Simone took in Prince when he was 14. And uh, so they were very tight. So he, being around that, made Prince a fan of the song. So every time we'd go to this club and we'd see Prince, he would request Frontin' and go out Get. there and dance by himself. And we'd be like, yeah! <laughs> so Prince is dancing to your song. To Frontin', yeah. That was his jam, so. Because of Andre, of course. Of course! Of friend, Still! It was, a, it was a jam, yeah. Still! And later, I mean, later on, I think uh, Janet took the same sample and did um, That's the Way Love Goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the same sample. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, oh, good song, too. Yeah. We'll have to add that to the, the mix at home, babe. That's a good song. I forgot about that song. Such great That's memories. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So let's see. Yep. We need to write a we've book. We've made... I want to steal that sign up there is what I want. Yeah, we should. Stage one. Yes. Stage one. Seriously. Well, one of the lights, like the lights that go on the outside that light up. I would die for one of those. Because this, this marquee is still... I did go in there a couple times, and they're like, well, there's nothing in here. But I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like When I, when I walk yeah. in here, I see... You know, the school teachers over here, I see, you know, the producers sitting over here, the writers, you know, all set up over here, the makeup artists over here. What'd you do, tape once services. a week? Basically, like a weekly no, every schedule? Day. We were every day. Every day. What? So, like, how <laughs> We were every day. No. So, before Brittany and Justin and all them came yeah. here, we filmed a show a day. We were like a soap opera. So, you filmed the same, the whole season in, like, Let me give you a, a day. Two weeks? We'd come in, go to school, like, 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. We were required to do three hours. But during those three hours, we'd be pulled out to do voiceovers for the show or vocal recordings for the show. Yeah. Or they'd pull us out to do a scene rehearsal. They'd put us back in school, but we'd have to get that three hours each. But what we were rehearsing for was tomorrow, tomorrow's show. Uh, we yeah. still have to do today's show that we rehearsed yesterday. So at, so after school, you can film the show. After the school, we, we do a run through. They bring in, the, they bring in uh, we do a camera run through of the whole show. Then they bring in the audience. We run the whole show again. And we're like 13, 14 years old, you know? So, and we were working crazy, crazy hours, which yeah. changed by the time Brittany and Justin and right. all, Tony and all those guys. Yeah. Because how long was the season then? A couple months? I don't or remember. Like, but they would make the seasons with the theme park tourists uh, good times. Yeah, you know? of course. Which made sense because initially yeah. they made this show for a tourist attraction, not a hit show. Of course. But then they started to see how many, because they could regulate and they could see how many people were joining the Disney Channel. Yeah. Because it was a paid service at that right. point. Right. Um, and that's, what, that's how they knew it was a hit. Yeah. Because they would go off. You know, the, the people signing out, the acquisition that was happening. Oh my god. I wish we were I mean, standing it right just different. In case you guys, uh, we have walked now to the end, um, which is now the third rail of Toy Story Mania, which is stage one, right in front of the construction wall for uh, uh, Star Wars Land. Uh, it's currently got, you've got a friend and me on the marquee, but like, Couple, quite a few. You guys were here, but then also WCW Wrestling was here for a while. Muppets after y'all, right? I think Hulk Hogan had a show called Thunder Room. Yep. Thunder Paradise. Thunder Paradise. Thunder and Paradise. Yeah. And then, what was another one? <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. And when they come in, the, the yeah. different game shows would come in town. Yep. Wheel of Fortune. I remember going to having fun on that set. <laughs> I'll bet. Late night, spinning the wheel. <laughs> Get you spun. Lick you the button. lick the button. You have spun the Wheel of Fortune wheel. Oh yeah. I'm gonna touch his shoulder because I have now touched someone who has spun the Wheel of Fortune wheel. I don't wheel. think I can get in trouble now. So no, I think, I think it, yeah. I think we're in the clear. What do they call that? Uh, never mind. Six the, degrees of Kevin Bacon, but not with bacon. That yeah, wasn't what I was going for, but we'll go with it. Um, so, okay, so you've recorded music. The party, you, you, like you guys went on tour. 
went on crazy tours. They had us touring everywhere. Did you open for Color Me Back? The first tour was our own tour, Don't and then we did, then we did Taylor Dane. Yes, which was a great, great tour. She's she, great. We were huge fans of her. She was amazing. Um, then we did Color Me Bad. We did the big Vanilla when Vanilla Ice hit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The reason why we did that is because he took Dum 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 to the Dum Dum. Yeah. From who? Queen. And who owns Queen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, so, so part of the negotiation. The Rick D show that I watched the other night was yeah. you guys promoting the Vanilla Ice tour. Yep. So that must have been. Interesting. That's awesome. <laughs> it was very interesting. Interesting. You do you do strike a resemblance to Vanilla Ice. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a very good dude. Yeah. He's actually a really really good yeah. dude. Yeah. You strike a resemblance. So. I've heard Macklemore too. I had the Macklemore hairdo when I was younger. All right. <laughs> yes. Yes. You are the purveyor of the man bun before uh, it was called that. I think Flock of Seagulls had my hairdo before me as far as yeah. the, the other one I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been done for. It all it all recycles. So seriously, so you guys are, so you're, you're on tour. Which song hits first? How do you know about it? Like, how's that work? Uh, well, different tours had different set lists and all that. Yeah. Time. But I mean, like, when you, like, like, different albums. when the songs went on the radio and stuff, like, when they, actually, some of them became hits. I think the first time we heard Summer Vacation, which was the first single, actually. Yeah. Um, that we at, like, were all at the Vinings over here at sea, by the SeaWorld. Oh, yeah. There's a Vinings. I don't know what it is now, but it used to be called the Vinings. That's where everybody lived. A lot of us lived. Yeah. And we were just literally hurting. We'd run to the next guy. Yeah. Listen to the radio. It's that like that mean. scene in um, oh, yeah. that thing you do. Like <laughs> it really, it really was yeah. that way. And we had a guy in the car outside plumping it. You know. Like, oh. Yeah, it's on the radio. It really is. It really is that. Because I remember that. I lived in Michigan at the time, and I was a fan of the show. And I'm like, and I was, and I'm like, and I heard it on the radio late at night. I was kind of listening for it. So I'm like, I bet it's gonna come up. And they did. I remember it being and, that way. And because of delicious I didn't scream because like. I wasn't part of it, but I was pretty happy. We were huge Tone Loke fans at that time. And yeah, Funky of course. Cole Medina was out at that time and all that. And Wild Thing. And so we were stoked on Delicious Vinyl at that point. So we were really just like, this isn't Disney. This is like something, you know, this is like. Le like le on the legit radio yeah. with like the real artists and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. okay. Now let's get to the, let's, let's, this is where our timeline lapsed on the show when we were talking about it. Let's talk about the end of the first run. What happened? How did it, like. How, how does it sort of go down? Well, we're in we're in the uh, president's office and um, the CEO of, Dis of Hollywood Records, and he's like, "So, what do you guys want to do now?" Because yeah. he just wants to keep it going. Because basically, we fulfill a need for them. We yeah. we fulfill a pop band for them. Mm -hmm. But we all were listening to our own things, you know. Yeah. It, when they first put us together, they were like, "Okay, you know, Albert sings the R&B stuff. Mm -hmm. The white guy sings the rock and roll." You know, Damon's gonna be the smooth talker. He's gonna go out and say, "Hey, baby." You You're know, like the non-Christian DC talk. Yeah. So they had it all planned out. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that reference, but yeah, yeah. And uh, and we did that during the first album. We went, we went with those roles, but we really weren't that. I was definitely an R&B singer. Yeah. And um, Damon could rap. You know, yeah. we were all we were all like into different things, and so we would ask to do to do music and, and write. They started setting us up with writers, and then towards the end, we were like. You know, can we have a band? Because all the other bands have a band. And he's like, no, we just can't, can't do a band. You know, budget-wise, just doesn't make sense. And uh, one of the girls, Damon had already gotten out. He was the guy. He was the guy who said, "I miss my family. I need yeah. to take a break. I'm having like, I just can't stop." How long would this would this have been? Roughly, like on you would, tour. We yeah. were on tour for almost full time, and then we would take a month off here and yeah. there. But they would just jump us from tour to tour. Yeah. And they put us in Asia for a while, in Europe, so which was obviously amazing. Yeah. But it does wear you out. You yeah. Know, your family and your parents. And, 
Damon's Italian and hardcore, tight, yeah. tight knit with his family. And he wanted to go home. So it was just us four at, at that point. And Didi, um, Didi was like, you know what? I think we might as well just wrap it up. Because if you remember at that time, that was the time Seattle Sound hit. Mm -hmm. And I was into that. I was into Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. I was into Alice in Chains. I was into Soundgarden. I was into all that. And um, so I was starting to morph into that anyway. I was starting to play guitar. And he didn't. They didn't want us. They wanted us doing pop music, you know. So, yeah. so we all kind of saw music going a different way. We were kids. We didn't realize that everything recycles. Well, it's not just you either. Like that's what the people wanted too. They're like, oh, that, we don't want this pop music anymore. We're loving the grunge. But now looking back as an adult, I realize that everything comes back again. So mm -hmm. if you would have just Backstreet Boys came out right about that time, and they didn't hit, didn't hit, and they just kind of waited True. that out, and then they finally hit. So if we would have just kept kept you know doing our thing we could have held on probably but um we were growing as artists and, yeah. and kids and we you know we didn't have the experience of knowing that everything recycles again yeah. you know? my dad would tell me that he'd be like yeah okay whatever but you know yeah. <laughs> you just don't know um then spice girls hit you know and it started to all come back again so mm -hmm. like, whoa oh, my oh God. yeah that era was yeah so we're talking like 98 99 at this point now yep, yep. when that came around yep and then so... And I was out in Hollywood doing acting, doing like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm -hmm. X-Files, and Seventh Heaven, and all those and you were killed. shows. you were yeah. killed, right? Yeah. I was killed, yeah, I was killed in that. I was killed in a, <laughs> a bad movie called Crawlers. <laughs> so you've died how many times now on yeah, film? A couple times. A couple times. Okay. I always wanted to. So now you're... Li and we, we joke... Casper, oh, the Casper. ghost, he's yeah. still alive. Oh, yes. You're like the ghost. You're Casper. <laughs> um, so then, as we were trying to piece together the history on the show, we looked up... We saw a vague post from like 13, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. What was the story behind that? Like what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it for the first time because no one's really ever said it. We did that um, just to let people know that we could. Right. And we 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 will if if people want us to. Right. Um, the response was okay, but the problem with Facebook and those Twitters is. You know, as soon as you try to sell something or push something, they close those filters on you, and most people don't really see those posts. Oh, um, yeah. You have to pay for them because they know that they have a service, and you got to right. pay for promotion. And it's like, okay, who's going to pay? Who wants to pay for that? You know, okay. Um, we had an investor involved. Um, it wasn't in the business. Um, we do have songs. We did put out a number of songs. We have songs that haven't been put out. Yeah. So we still are sitting on songs. Nice. So, so there are this. We are we are possibly. <laughs> There's some good ones too. At the beginning. Of a resurgence just, of the party. Never know. And now when we when we're talking about the current party, we're talking about you, Albert, Dee Dee, and Damon. And Damon. Damon. Yep. Those are the four that are yes. currently the party. Yes. Yes. Yep. And Any uh, comment on Tiffany? Like what's uh, going on? Just stepped, not interested. She's just stepped out of the line. Not interested. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's understandable. She's yeah. just not what she does now. It's not what she yeah. wants to do. Um, we wish her well. I know she checks in. Any chance we can get Brandy in as a fill-in? Hey, hey, it's worth a try. I know, right? <laughs> my dream could come true. See, my favorite was always Damon. Your favorite was Damon? Yeah, well. I mean, I was a kid. Hey, we, everybody's got their favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a 70s baby, so you know. I used to wear a shirt that said, I love Damon, and they said, you know, I'd always walk with the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect, yeah. Yeah. Um, what does that mean, I'm a 70s baby? What does that even mean? I'm a 70s baby, so I'm about the same kind of like, I'm the demographic that they were aiming oh, towards. I thought that you meant something why that was Damon, because no, of no, your no, no. I'm like, That's I don't like, get the I reference. I was part of the demographic right. that they were aiming right. towards, and it worked. So, looking forward, here's where here's the important part. What, 
Or are we looking for interest? What are we looking for? Here's what I was going to say as well. What really makes it hard and almost downright impossible is that we all are from different places. Right. So to be tour you ready. Houston, Texas. Texas. I'm in Boston right now. Right. I was in L.A. for over 22 years, but Albert's in L.A. Um, Didi's in L.A., so that, that gives two of them in, in that yeah. same location. But it still becomes very hard because Didi is doing... She's doing theater, and she's also doing Steven Universe, which is amazing. She was amazing. in Miss Saigon. Yes, she was in Miss Saigon. She was in Wicked. Yes, she uh, was um, Afelba's sister in Wicked. Yes. Nessa Rose, I yes. think is the name. Yeah, I didn't want to get that wrong. Um, but yeah, amazing role. I, the only time I've ever seen Wicked was with her in it, you know. And I was oh, it's nice. an amazing role. It's what what role is that? I don't, I'm not familiar it's with Wicked. It's Afelba's sister, so it's the Wicked Witch is sister. Okay. Which is what she kind of defends throughout the okay. Throughout the piece. It's a big role. It's a really big role. role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she's doing great. So she has a whole new generation of fans, you know, um, on Twitter and on social media and all that. Um, so she's busy. So she, she can do the show. Thank God she doesn't. She doesn't have to be seen on the show. So she's she can do her show when she's on tour. She can do it from the road at a recording studio and send it in, which is pretty amazing. Um, that is cool. But yeah, she, she's busy. Um, Damon is a full-time DJ in Houston. Works his ass off. I mean, he's booked probably for six years out. Wow. He's yeah. so, he's, people just love him. They he's. Does he have a stage name other than that? Like no. that he goes by as a DJ. He's just no. so energetic. Yeah. If you watch just, any of his YouTube stuff, he's yeah. so like. Even if you're like, okay, I'm really not gonna watch the rest of this. <laughs> I told 20 you. minutes later, That's all of a sudden you're you. like, oh my god, I've lost 20 minutes of my life watching hole. this. Yeah. It's, he's he's great. That's what I said to him. I said, if you if you literally are kind of the person you want to hate him, you still end up like dying laughing. Oh, going, yeah. this it, guy. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. You watch the videos, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, what's going on? <laughs> I've been two hours watching videos. I got to no, no no no. And then two hours later, you're yeah. still watching. But he'll videos. do that just for fun. I mean, that's him. You know, not filming, honestly. What's right. this riff rocket? Riff Rocket was a TV show that, um, well, first let me back up a little bit. I, I was teaching in LA, in Elgore Hills. Um, I was a music director there for hundreds of kids. Um, and I would teach and mentor kids there. And one of the kids that came through was a leukemia survivor, two time. Oh, wow. And he had a budget and wanted to do uh, a children's show and be in it and he wanted me to help him do it and he had already written all these amazing songs that are kind of oh, cool. 80s rock songs but for kids like big wheel and like oh yeah you know sandbox and all these great songs um but they were the way they were done i was like this is awesome i'm really into this you know so so um we did we did the show and found the whole crew and did a full-on production for it and tried to get it sold and still pushing it it's it's a crap shoot with that but we did get it done he can sell it you know he can it was accomplished, but um, on that same note, the party had the same. When we got together, that was the whole idea: was a TV show, uh, like a re. You did Rick Rocket. Mm. Damon was involved with Rick Rocket as well. I, yeah, I hired Damon. I hired Rona to do the voice. I hired Mark Warden, and Rona's in In Vogue. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark Warden did the voice of like Iron Man, and like he does amazing oh. stuff. So I had a really great, great people in it. So it's still being pushed. But so how do you, you, you were mentioning earlier, I don't think we were on the recording, that the name, the party, you're not sure of its status for moving forward. How do you, are you guys going to, is that something you're looking into or? Well, with copyright, it's one of those first use things. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's on Wikipedia that we were a band, yeah, that helps. But, um, you know, Disney could always say, well, you know, we use that first, it's our name. Right. So it's, it's one of those, you know, who uses the name? How do we do that? without just, just doing it. But there are, yeah. other, there are other the parties do we want to go through and try to find who those people are and figure out 
tit for tat, you know, with like. Yeah, right. Are there any, one thing I was curious about, we're here at Hollywood Studios right now. Are there any lasting benefits from being part of, you know, being on a Disney show? Are there any lasting benefits for you as a former, I don't know if you, employee the right word, or is it just talent, whatever Pro you want? Probably not what you think. Like I still pay, I pay to get in here just mm -hmm. like anybody else. And, you have um, an annual pass? I got a lot of friends who work here, so yeah, yeah. I could say, hey, meet me at the front, you know? Right, right, but I, I meant like, you don't have, I don't I, know how I full on support Disney. What, what what they gave me is kind of what I mentioned earlier that priceless education that, right. that they probably didn't in, they probably weren't intending when they were doing it they were doing it for their own good as yeah. well to be a business but you know they gave us I mean I literally I met John Ritter walking out the door I met Bill Murray walking out the door I mean I could, I could go on and on Jeez. so like Bill Murray and Sorry. people, and people continuously like literally I, I talked about this the other day but someone at the Outback in Boston mm -hmm. I was there it was still cold but like I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was we went in and everybody was waiting inside because it was yeah. cold and there was no room to sit down, and this guy said, hey, you can sit here, and I'm like, great, because I had my baby. And this lady said, Chase? And I'm like, yeah? And I looked horrible. I had, like, a skull cap on. Like, you couldn't see my hair. So, you know, it amazes me that people, and she's like, oh, my God, and you guys are on Facebook? And I'm like, yeah, for the last, I don't yeah. know, 20 years or whatever. But they didn't, she, and then she got to her table, I got to my table, and she added me on Facebook and sent me a message that said, I'm crying at my table right now um, because I was adopted. I was the first woman of color in my little town that I grew up in. And every day I could sit there at 5.30 and feel like I was a part of something. And you guys gave that to me, you know what I mean? You guys gave me not only a love for the arts, but you guys gave me a sense of belonging, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I literally was like, oh, that, that chokes me up, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't think we as the performers, we still kind of realize every day or kind of get that, that hit that the people who watch the show felt like they were in the club as well. Right. We didn't get that. Well, because it's a we delayed were, reaction. We didn't see the, we saw the audience in the, on the beach or whatever, but like, we didn't, there wasn't social media, so people yeah. couldn't tell us like, no, you don't know what you did for me. Like, well, and half those kids in there were probably just here for the day. They didn't really know the show. My, so my wife got, yeah. my wife was here and got brought in to the audience in the first season. She had no idea what she was seeing. She's like, okay. And I, she had huge bangs and I was like, love you. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys keep in touch that whole time? Throughout the years, yeah, there was no, wow. there was no cell phones, there was no email, but we did, you know, she'd show up at party shows, <laughs> and I'd be like, what? Oh, she's from here? No, she's from Boston. But she, if she was on vacation and we were playing in Tampa, she'd show up in Tampa. If we were, that's so serendipitous. It's just, right? New England, that's a, such the, a serendipitous. It's crazy. Life event. It's crazy, and that's so why I, I carried that through, yeah. knowing that. But you got married recently. Well, and I, I carried that through, and I got but engaged you, at Disneyland. You got engaged at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I, I announced am, the baby I am, at the kingdom. I am yeah. friends with him on Facebook. Awesome. Yes. 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 So I saw that. I was like, oh my god. I believe so we are now friends now because now that we've gotten back into it and started the three o'clock parade, the party, fan, <laughs> fan club. club. We need to make hats. What's <laughs> happening? I mean, we're making hats. We are no longer. We are now officially. Can we say we're officially transitioning from celebrating? the 90s party to celebrating a possible future. We, we're never going to admit that the party's over. You know what no. I'm saying? It's just not going to happen. Who wants to admit the party's over? You're on the right podcast because the party is never every day. Over. We're sitting here, <laughs> Mrs. D&D, Alan, Chase, and me, sitting in front of right. the Toy Story Mania, having a few drinks. Right. And just like everybody who watched the show felt like they were in the club, everybody who enjoyed the party is in the party. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we bring people up on stage. We yes. would just, we would always break the rules. We, you know, break our mic stands in half. I mean, we'd always, they'd say no bringing people up on stage. We'd be like, okay, and we bring everybody up on yeah. stage. We made it a party everywhere we went. We tried that's to. Because awesome. what, when you guys were doing your tour, like what, approximately what age were you? 15, 16. So, so like seriously, to do that, like, 
<laughs> Especially with all these like grown-ups, you know, watching you. Too much trouble. Yeah, but still to like have the balls to do that kind of stuff when you know you're gonna get quote unquote in trouble. You know, when you're at 16 years old, like that's crazy. It's it awesome. It was an amazing way to grow up. What's your favorite uh, style? Who had the best style in the party at the time? Damon, Damon's pretty suave. He's, uh, Albert had some style though. Albert, Albert has some swag. For yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Albert's from Gary, Indiana. I mean, he's, he's got his thing. I had a jacket. Is he from Gary, Indiana? I'm from Valparaiso, Indiana. Yeah, Just I, had nice a, I had a Mickey Mouse Club jacket. Did you have one of the like legit Mickey Mouse Club jackets with the? Do you have your name on it, Ellen? I do. I, I, would, I wear it occasionally if it's cold, but obviously today is not a good day. Is it the one? No. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah, one. Did you have would, one the whole it would, run? It would or one new every season? Well, no, I had the one. I had one throughout the whole thing, but there was the party one. So when I was in the party, I'm not so sorry, there was the, the pilot. I mean, so in the pilot, we had different ones. Everybody had different kinds. They were like, they were made because the animation department was here. Mm -hmm. So they actually hand-painted us jackets. Oh. Nice. And then later on, they went with the letter jacket. Yeah. Way you know, cooler. It's something they could sell. Yeah. They, uh, I said Ellen. Yeah, see? Yeah. It is they cool. They were cool. I wanted one really bad. A Letterman's jacket. It's what, ridiculous. What kind of I didn't have did you have? Yellow or they were red? Yours were red, right? Red. I think they were red. I think my uh, mom got rid of it. Damon's were yellow, right? I Damon's know. were yellow. I believe Damon's were yellow, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Probably red. I think Albert's were yellow, too, now I think about it. Or was he blue? Not even sure. I, I know. I, I, don't I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is what we do. Point, we, we, I don't know. We just like throw stuff out, then we'll find the out later if it's is, true or not. Is really thinking back about Mickey Mouse Club, I don't remember Brittany and Justin. I do remember. Carrie I didn't Russell watch that late. I didn't watch that because late because I remember her and I remember you guys because of just my investment mm -hmm. into they were that. On for a blip. I mean, if you think yeah. about the whole entire lifetime, the seven seasons. I, I can't remember how many seasons Christina and Brittany did. I want to say two. I don't it wasn't know, very long. So like so when, I wasn't when you ask when you ask them about the Mickey Mouse Club growing up, I'm sure it was an impact on them, but nothing like from like we were here in the pilot. We sold that show. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like for example, if they were here for two seasons, how much time is that actually together? Months? Yeah, a few months, months total. Yeah, oh yeah. Probably just a few months, months, right? Or no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe I, more. I, don't know. I just remember running home from school turning on the VCR yeah. And, oh, yeah. and recording it and being able to watch it over and over just because it was so fun, the music and the comedy and the sketch comedy and the physical humor and they, those kind of they things. They changed the themes, so there used to be like Anything Can Happen Day, Guest Day, yeah. and that was why it was every day. And then they changed that towards the latter seasons, so that's why we would only film one day a week. So we'd come in and rehearse like a normal TV show. That's what a normal yeah. TV show in California is. Right, do. that's we'd what I assumed y'all did. Read on Monday, and they do rehearsals. Like Saturday Night Live, yeah. another similar style yeah. show. We'd run the show twice on like a Thursday, and uh, and that would in the same show. Yeah. So then it would only run like once a week, versus every day. You so need something? That, that might be why you only do. He probably needs something. I'm gonna stop for a second. This is awesome. This is so fun. Here's what you want. This is a bunch of mumbo. All right, we're back. I know those are some sweet shoes. We're watching uh, Army Green Army Man walking by. Captain? Arm, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ellen, get in here. We got to ask yes. you. I want to get because yes. if we're talking Mickey Mouse Club for a moment, how great was Teen Angel? Ooh. The movie that was shown during just the, I believe the first season, May two, and then Teen Angel Returns. Yes, little Jason Priestley. Jason Priestley. Priestley. And then wasn't the second one was um what's her name from um she Oscar winner. Was um, it she, um, 
Okay. Also, Karate Kid returns. You got me. Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. No was way. it the second season? I didn't even know that. It was Hillary Swank? Oh my god. So did you watch the show? You probably oh, didn't. Of course. Oh, yeah, did you? Okay. Yeah. That's what I remember was those shows. I love that part. The Jason Priestley basically playing his same 90210 character that he basically went straight from here to play 90210. We were a little distant from it because they filmed that elsewhere, mm -hmm. but he did come in yeah. and, and came on the show. A couple oh, did times. he? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, oh yeah. That's awesome. He's actually super cool. Race car driver. Yes. Race car driver. Not a very successful one. Well, I'm let's sorry. not get into that. That's not. Patrick Dempsey, much more successful race car driver. He's won a Rolex. Well, also much more successful act. Just sorry. I mean, come on, Patrick Dempsey. He was Miss. What is he? McHottie or whatever. McHappiness. McSteamy. I don't know. McDreamy. Whatever. Whatever. McDreamy. Yeah. So. All right. Disney has launched so many careers. It really has, like, really given kind of that roadmap and that base foundation for a lot of people's careers. That's kind of what I was mentioning earlier about. Yeah. I think a lot of the reasoning for Hollywood Records was kind of to figure out that machine and kind of fine-tune that engine, you know, because they got it down after a certain point. Like, even when we left, they changed all the contracts. You know, kids couldn't have earrings, no tattoos. I mean, as soon as we got in the party, we were like, tattoos? Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, that wasn't in the contract. So we were like, why not? You know, but then of course, instantly those things started yeah. to get put in place and and they had that down, you know, which is good for them. They, well, at some point, very successful there, there was a little bit of a shift. Like you mentioned, they, yeah, I'm going to tell my But they, uh, where kind of, you said they got away from the Disney name. At some point, working for Disney wasn't cool or being associated with Disney. And then it, that oh, went away. That worked against us huge. So like which worked again? Being with Disney. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So in the in the marketplace, it worked against. Oh, us. you're just the Disney Mickey People Mouse Club band. Yeah. So any DJ, legit legit DJ that would get our record across the table, we'd yeah. try, we'd try to do it with a black black label, and not tell them who it is even, and try to introduce it to some. But then once they knew the name and they knew the party, and they knew who we were, it was very hard to sell them. This is just some Mickey Mouse song, whatever. We're not dealing well, with Disney. this garbage. It's Disney, 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 Disney. But then, as soon as you know Justin and Brittany and and, yeah. and all that happened with the help of the internet, yeah, and the drive of the internet and all those things, they had to open up those doors, and mm -hmm. people started to be like, okay, Mickey Mouse Club is a cool thing again. Yeah, that changed 180. They, like when I got to Hollywood, they they made me drop that off my resume. You know, that wasn't a thing you talked about. It was like soap operas. You don't put soap operas on your resume for whatever. Right. Reason. You don't but put you Mickey Mouse that. Club. Yeah. So now I put Mickey Mouse Club on on my resume. It's like it's one of those like. Door oh, did you know Britney? <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's a conversation. Story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a door opener, and it's yeah, and that's kind of mm -hmm. what it takes sometimes to get that extra attention. In a, in a but room. there really was a shift where, and I rem I remember it just as a participant in the fandom of I remember when it was not cool to be Disney and then all of a sudden it was like it's cool to be Disney again so like yeah. so Justin and I talked about that when I saw Justin oh a little name dropper yeah, a little, little name dropper he's like anything goes now it's like rappers are performing with pop artists yeah. you know because he was on tour with Jay-Z and I'm just like mm -hmm. dude this is insane yeah you know? a Mickey like, Mouse Club kid he's like anything goes on with Jay-Z right yeah and Jay-Z's amazing Oh my God, he's amazing. I've seen him incredible. live so many times. I saw him at Fenway. You know. Oh, at Fenway? Yeah. Oh my God, that's an amazing show. Right? And then at the very end, they, they wheeled us back. His little assistant came out and said, Chase, you know, here, take a badge. You know, they, they had gotten oh a teen God. magazine picture of me when I was a teen. <laughs> oh my God, they put I it on a pass. They're like, here you go. Oh, that's like, good. Oh my God, nice. Hazing. Hazing. Yeah. I like it. And they brought us back to the dugout. Which hair did you have in the photo? The one, the, school. Yeah, the, the poofy? <laughs> the poofy? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I my and Everyone got drinks, but nope, none for Chase, though. None it's for Chase. All, I'm still sipping on this. He's still sipping. Sipping on gin and juice. We watched the final song from uh, 
the Jay Z concert in the, in the dugout, the Boston dugout. And I was, just, my wife was like, "This is not allowed. This is not. This doesn't." You were in the Boston Red Sox dugout watching Jay Z with Jessica. Will you touch his shoulder and again? Neil? And yeah, and yeah. his mom and his dad. Yeah. That's awesome. It was amazing. It was really great. Do you want that? I was at House of Blues when Pharrell did Justin get on stage at all? No, he played for suit and tie. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I love Suit and Tie. Oh, I love that's that a song. Great one. I love Suit and Tie. He did half the show, and then Jay Z okay. did half the show. Okay. And they were touring together. It was an amazing show. Mm. So it was like half rap fans, half pop fans, put in one arena. Jay Z is my favorite. Yeah. Is he really? I love Jay Z. I yeah. saw. Have Jay-Z you seen my Twitter bio? Page? Have you not seen my Twitter bio? It says the Jay Z of Disney World. It used to say the Jay Z of Disney World in quotes with a line after that said, "Unknown," like because no one's ever actually said that. But. I'm going with it anyways. Yeah, I saw Justin Timberlake right after his first album dropped, but he was there as a fan on the side at House of Blues when Pharrell and NERD was there, and Chad had just had his baby, so it was just Pharrell, and they brought Justin Timberlake out, and Cameron Diaz was on the side of the stage, and he did like three or four songs from his first album before it really had gotten big, and I was like, this... This is going somewhere. And I was so, it was such an amazing show. I mean, there's such a platform that Disney really, truly creates. Yeah, when I think he he's the perfect example of how things have changed. Back in the day when you guys came out, you couldn't be a guy from NSYNC and make it into playing with Jay-Z at, no. No, no, you no. would be just the boy band guy. Yes. Things have changed, like, no, which is good for, yeah. if, if we are talking possible doing something on the road with the party, sure. things have changed where Absolutely. the rules have I'm sure Vanilla Ice is wasn't stoked to have us on the road. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, no. But, but throughout the tour, he totally got, came, was on board. Well, you know, he's like, another great example you know, of cool. how, where his perception, like, if he had come out now, he would have been fine. But back then, street cred was like everything, and he he was just getting hammered nonstop with, yeah. with uh, you know, the shiny pants and, the, lying, and all that stuff. Lying for being where you're from. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, being which, in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Yeah, well. But that's pretty badass now. And his, his true, like, identity is really cool, too. He was, yeah. like, he was like a motorcycle racer. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because he would take his bikes out, you know, yeah. during the times where he wasn't. He would, we'd see him running around. Yeah. He, he had his own career yeah. even before. Times have changed so much where it's, it, it, I guess, for the better. Where people can just kind of, if you're if you're good and people want to listen to you, they'll listen to you. But uh, so let's talk about the way, this. The way it should be. It is. Yep. All right. I want to ask you about this. Yep. You contacted us and said basically for fun, called us out about our our history of the party. <laughs> what is your social media with Disney? We call it quote unquote hashtag Disney Twitter because all we do is sit around and talk about this kind of BS like. What are they retheming this ride to? And Towers like of Terror, Guardians of the Galaxy, BS. What do you like? Where are you in that world? Do you pay attention to it? Uh, I do, but as you can imagine, because I literally grew up here, I think I have a bond to this park that probably nobody has standing yeah. on this park right now. Like yeah. while we're here, probably very few people were probably here when it originally opened. It's like your old neighborhood. A lot of the offices. This is like my school. It's like going home. Like when I go back to... It's like watching your school getting ripped down. Oh, yeah. You know, if you imagine going to senior high school ripped down, that's kind of what it it is. Yeah, all backstage is going down for Toy Story Land. Yeah. Some of the best memories of my life. Yeah, so like when they do, when they take the If you need to cry, Ellen's shoulder is right here. (laughs) Ellen's shoulder is right here. I might cry. When they take those green doors away, I'm going to cry. Are these the green doors that you used to come out and just, then you're going to... Well, they came, they went all the way down. Yeah. Now we were. This is what I liked. You just said that once you were asking if you could possibly get up into the 
uh, tunnels, not tunnels, the uh, overlooks that looked, because I remember I did that back in the day on. It's cut uh, off from over there, but it's still over here where we were. Because I remember you'd walk through and you'd look down onto the studios. And I remember seeing the Mickey Mouse Club and Thunder in Paradise at the time was still there. And uh, I remember Bill Cosby was in the little video from the Cosby Show. We don't talk about Bill Cosby anymore. Pee Wee Herman, Rick Moranis. Here were some of the other ones. Yeah, we don't talk about Bill Cosby. No. Yeah, when his statue was taken down, it's no But at the time, at the time, it was like pretty awesome. What a lot of us would really love is some sort of something stuck yeah. in the ground or something. So some remembrance of, hey, yeah. you guys started something really special here. Yeah. So when I talk about that girl from the Outback, there's millions of people who had that experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know if they get that because new people now are in charge, but you know, it really does mean a lot to a lot of people. And they not only created some great careers, but they created some superstars. You know, like oh. and some amazing memories. Brittany and Christina everybody. and Ryan. I mean, these guys are superstars. It's not even more just than like, one hand. You know what I mean? Like we're talking two handfuls. Oscars now. I mean, like you of, know, nominated for the Oscars. And, um, yeah. I, I always forget her name from Felicity. Carrie. Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. I mean. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking in the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an amazing show. Yes. Yeah. She won an Emmy for that recently, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Oh, and I don't want to bring this up because I don't want you to... Well, if you have to cry, it's Ellen's shoulder here. <laughs> but I think this area will probably be off to guests shortly. Oh, really? Because I think it looks like the entrance is down there. And this will be the back of Toy Story, I hope. According to my sources, which would be Twitter. <laughs> the internet? Sometimes yeah, Twitter's the, the best. The interwebs. Yeah. Uh, at D23, we're actually going to get a date for the opening of when Toy Story Pixar expansion is going to yeah. be released. That would be cool. Even just what in the park, if there was just a star on the walk or something, Mickey Mouse Club, you know, that would be cool. You don't cool. even have to mention people's names, you know, because it's a lot of people. It'd be a lot. That has like a little name. heart with it. I mean, how many, how many people do you think there was? It's 50, 60 total, probably. But think about the club members. Club members? No, it was in the 20s. Like, was it in the 20s? 22, something like that, yeah. yeah. But think about all the crew that worked on it, that worked with these people that have gone on well, the to crew, amazing things. The crew things. went on to do it. Like, literally, the prop master became the guy who directed and produced the Blair Witch Project. You know, From UCF, yeah. There's tons of stories like that. Like, that just people people go off and do Mad TV or, you know, Saturday Night Live. People forget how much influence Disney truly has when it comes to cultivating these careers and truly transcending just, like, some kids' show into, okay, this is my yeah. foundation and I'm moving on to something yeah. else, but this is what they were able to develop well, and build. I think even in, just taking out of entertainment, Disney as whole sometimes does more on your resume than oh, absolutely. in the role. If like you if you have up, Disney you on your resume, working at Disney, man, you can live. You can you can put yeah. up with anything. Oh, you you lasted at three years at Disney. Woo! Come on in. You sold pretzels at Magic Kingdom in July. Because yeah, they do want we you know to go. Mrs. D. Mrs. D. D. is a uh, former college program grad. Okay. Looked great on a resume. Twice. Twice. Two times. I never worked here though. We just heard from Mrs. D. D. for like the first time. Yeah, she never talks. Yeah, she talked. She talks to me. She just doesn't talk to you. Oh, fair. Sorry. Fair. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Welcome to my life. So, we've made it to the end. I think of the story of the party. It has it's not, not stopped. It's not the end. It's, it's not, not the stopped. End. You can't end it. You can't the end it. The party never you stops. just never know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the industry morphs so crazy all the time, and you just don't know. And we're all still performing. We're all still doing our thing. Yeah. The second we mentioned it on Disney Twitter, after we had the conversation on the, on the show, and you kind of jumped in and joked with us, 
a lot of people jumped in and said I was a huge fan of the party too. Like, we're gonna try to see what we can do with this. Let's have some fun, you know? Party never stops. We would love to get back together. I mean, Expect your name done. to be tagged a lot in the do next it. few uh, weeks and months. Do it. I'll retweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, do you only know what's gonna happen? <laughs> so we might jump in again, but at this point we're gonna sign off for a little while. Uh, this is Chase. This is Chase. Chase. Ellen. Ellen. This is DD. Yep, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so that was the interview with Chase, and now let's go live to Disney's California Adventure, where we're going to listen to a panel, including Joe Rohde, on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Terrans of all ages, welcome to the Hyperion Theater and the making of Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. To begin our special presentation, please welcome the Vice President of Disney California Adventure Park and Downtown Disney, Patrick Finnegan.
inside, in prison, mm -hmm. right? And then you have the, the arrogance and kind of blinginess of the collector, a person uh, who gathers things, who accumulates wealth. So the gold, there's just gold on everything, you know, like a Russian gangster, you know, kind of gold <laughs> on everything. And then you've got to get across this idea of energy. There is energy being consumed because the story revolves around shutting off energy and the pipes and the this sort of uh, breadboard thing is a little bit like a blown up oversized computer chip, if you look very closely. So, so you're basically using the form language as a language. And a lot of people would think, well, that's not a real language. But in fact, um, our ability to speak words and our ability to perform mime evolved simultaneously. And you can really get a full language without words from using movement, from using form, from using action, uh, and something that people can really understand without having to know anything before. Tremendous, wow. So I'm gonna go right next door, John Morrow. So now you've got this big idea. Now I got a big That's a big challenge. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, you're leading this group now to start off. Talk a little bit about it. Yeah, and it, it truly is all about people. Um, I know some of you Oh, there's some of the people now. Yeah. yeah. Here's, a, here's a lot of our team, and that's really what it starts with. You know, when, when we take a, a great idea, and we need to figure out how we're going to execute it. And I think that the biggest challenge is um, we had very little time, and we had to make this spectacular. You know, there's such a, a high bar already to what was there. And, and, and to, to make sure we were living up to, to what the story and characters of Guardians of the Galaxy is, it had to be really spectacular. So. Um, with that, it starts with, with people, really. We had to really choose all the right people of our team. And it's more than just sitting up here. It's a lot more even than there. It's really hundreds. So uh, that's what really made it successful. Excellent. Well, early on, you know, Dave, we had talked a little about stage as well. You know, this all came to you guys. What was your initial reaction, you know, to the attraction concept? And more importantly, how did how did you guys, how did Marvel collaborate with WDM? My initial reaction was jetpot. Um, <laughs> uh, we get to work on an attraction at Disneyland. This is amazing. Like, we get to be a part of an incredibly magical place that means so much to so many people, obviously, around the world. And so it was, I think what Joe said about energy, like it was energy, like it was excitement, and and these are some images of a few of us with James and Kevin um, riding it early on with, with this team, and you know the fun part about working on this for me and a lot of us in the studio and working with this team was was the ideas and the big ideas, and you ride you know the ride um, into even early stages. And everyone would get off and go, okay, what if we do this? And then we can do this, and we'll move this thing over there. And Joe, which is like, I'm the craziest energetic person I know, and Joe takes me and makes me look like a little little puppy dog. Um, and that's but that's what was amazing about it. And that was, you know, far initial reaction. A lot of us at the studio, the parks mean so much um, to us, and this being the first sort of foray into that. That the possibility to then look at, at what were the big ideas and what could we do inside of that. And you, you know, we did Guardians One when James did that film, 
and this scene in particular that the riot is largely based on is how many Easter eggs can we jam in that room? And, and I think Ryan's gonna talk about that a little bit later, is, is that's, the, that's the fun part, uh, you know, for us and, and to the fans is, is watching movies over and over and, and finding all the fun things and those big ideas. But yeah, the initial reaction was, what can we do? And last night, when we got to write it, finished, this is my favorite picture. <laughs> I'm getting this framed because I'll never, I was lucky enough to be with this amazing group of people. And, and, and their reactions, Michael Rooker's reaction was exactly what you, what you expect. He was just freaking out. He's like, this is amazing. He was in the merch shop, like, yeah. doing all of that. And I think that was, I think was the initial reaction was, how do we, how do we take all of those big ideas and get to here? And it was amazing. And, and these guys did it. By the way, isn't that Zoe behind all the hair? Yeah, so we saw Donna up there next to Joe. It was on the down, like it would just <laughs> snap. Bob Weiss knew. Bob Weiss is Bob Weiss was ready, yeah. He was perfect. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I mean, you talk about these big ideas. Okay, Danny, you've had this big idea. And actually, I'm going to zoom in a little bit first, because, you know, out of the first film, you had this story, The Collector, which you guys pulled into this now. You know, how do you talk, can you talk a little bit about how you built upon that existing story? Yeah, well, with the collector, I mean, uh, we did a lot of research, you know, with the comic through the comics, through the ages, um, and uh, of course, he's in the first film and that tag at the end of uh, Thor: The Dark World, um, and um, and so we have a lot of content to take a look at um, the collector, um, and it's funny in a linear story um, uh, like the film, you know, he he services a plot, he gets the Guardians from A to B, they learn about the Infinity Stone, they move on. Um, so there wasn't a lot, too much to build upon up there, but, but what was cool was the planet Nowhere. Um, we, when we dug deep and we talked to our partners, uh, Dave and Brian, um, uh, we found out that Tavon, uh, Taylor Tavon owns a mining company uh, called the Tavon Group. And that upside of that triangle with that down arrow that you see on our building, on the trash cans and our cast costume everywhere, we, that was featured in the background of the film. It was just uh, a logo they had as set dressing. But we build upon that to say, hey, the collector has this mining colony. They mine uh, the organic matter from this severed head that is the planet Nowhere. And they use that to sell it on the black market. And then we build upon that story saying that's how he makes his money to afford his amazing collection. He's offering millions of units for all these amazing artifacts. So that idea of the organic matter, the spinal fluid, which I hope all of you had a taste tonight, because yeah. they're <laughs> delicious, right? Yesterday, they had it with alcohol, which is even more amazing, I must tell you. Um, but, um, so taking, taking that story, and then, you know, we want this building to be surging with energy. We thought, well, if you go in our maintenance space scene, you'll see that surge of energy that's from that spinal fluid. That's what's powering that generator that we later on have to go and help rockets shut down. Incredible. It's, 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 it's always wonderful to hear sort of that, take that initial, take that initial storyline and, and weave it into the attraction and build it through. Steph, you know, we've got a storyline now, you know, the concept established, you know, how do you pull it all together? How do you actually, you know, John's helped assemble the team, Danny's helped the story, Mark, you know, we started with the big concept, Mark and team's on board. Now what do we do to push it forward? What do you do to push right. it forward? Yeah, so, so like you mentioned, yeah, you have that high concept, but now you need to start turning it into something more, um, getting into more of that, that detail level of what, how are you telling this story? I mean, we, we try to kind of push things along, um, co-co-develop things, and you'll end up to a place where like one thing will form another. So, you know, how, how are we designing the interior space of the lobby may inform 
how we're you know going to convey the story um, and other pieces as well. But so one thing uh, we knew we had to get to, um, which Amy will talk about, is is a shoot. So as we're saying, like, okay, so how are we going to tell this story? It starts with the script and storyboards and concept art. So we'll we'll create, you know, kind of like that idea of of these, kids, these, these guys are hanging in this right. tower, right? Mm -hmm. This is this tall fortress building. Um, they're over an abyss. You know, this is where the collectors trap them because they are so good at escaping. He knows they're good at escaping, so he's going to create like the most powerful place, prison for them to be in. Um, so that was kind of where, where we took that. But uh, in addition to that, we were also doing, um, we use technology in different ways as well. So we might build models, we'll build them physically. So like in the case of the exterior, we built a physical model mm -hmm. to study that. Um, and, and digitally as well. So we could actually like put on a VR headset and walk through the queue and, and start to get a sense of all the different pieces coming together. Uh, or even like virtually ride the ride. So we could understand how those different story pieces are coming together. Is it being conveyed? You know, kind of like show, show it to different folks and get feedback, um, you know, from our different partners and, and start to, to develop that story further. Excellent, excellent. Well, you touched on something, Amy. I wanted to come over to you and talk a little bit about the collaboration between, you know, how did it work, um, the collaboration between WDI and the Marvel Studios? I mean, so we're already obviously collaborating creatively. And um, I've known Victoria a very long time, and she sort of glanced on that, how long she's been working in visual effects. And they were already shooting Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I longed for Victoria's crew. Um, we had a really ambitious schedule. We had a really ambitious set of stunts. We had a really ambitious set of visual effects that we were gonna do. And uh, so we asked for help. And so they came with their crew, came with their director, they came with their passion, they came with so many things that really helped us to um, obviously produce this amazing attraction. We also had a shoot where we were flying really fast by these characters and they had to have all their like quirky relationships while we were shooting. So, you know, having James direct the talent was really important to us. And so, uh, right, right, yeah. right. And so we called and asked for help and here we are, they're still helping, which um, <laughs> was really, really quite incredible. Yeah, it came together, in, you know, between our schedule constraints, I was amazed at the way the, the world sort of aligned, you know, for all of us. And I think we've got some, I think we've got some behind the scenes footage. Oh, yeah, we will. Is this part of the tour? <laughs> Can't you fanboys leave me alone? <laughs> me, I'm in near mint condition. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have fun. that I wrote, so that was like amazing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, Chris, yeah, Chris was, Chris was just, he, 
he literally threw himself into every every take and, and just you know gave us a hundred percent all day. I mean everything. Uh, I, I you know I've never worked with uh, an A-list cast that that was so enthusiastic to be doing you know uh, a project for 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 our theme park. Uh, I still remember you know Chris uh, Pratt standing in a glass case at one point during the shoot and just talking to the other I'll just call them the other guardians and. Uh, and just saying, dudes, we're gonna be in a Disney ride at California Adventure. It's awesome. I mean, he's, he's just like his character. And, and uh, so they were a joy to work with. Uh, and then, you know, getting to work with Benicia Del Toro and, uh, and then Bradley Cooper coming in. It was just, you know, it was a dream project. It really was. Yeah, it was terrific, Bradley. Before I go away from writing, yeah. writing scripts isn't the only thing a writer does on our show. That's true. So uh, yesterday I was asked a lot, uh, so what does a writer do with Imagineering? Uh, to, to which I answer, the animatronics don't make up their own words. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't. Um, so we, besides the scripting, we, uh, you know, we, everything is story with us. So every every little bit from the plaques in the cases to the marquee is about telling telling the story. Yeah, yeah, but go a little deeper on the marquee. You, you yes, talk so, about what we're seeing. Yeah. So this this is uh, you know a funny story. So you know we came up with the the title Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Uh, and it looked great, and they designed the logo, and you know, fantastic. And then when we got to the marquee, we're like, wait a second, um, in the story, Rocket has broken free, and he's come out and he's graffitied the sign, uh, and, which is great. But uh, the word mission, was, it was already designed, the mission was, was all like typeset. And it was like, wait a second, the, the collector wouldn't have put Guardians of the Galaxy mission on a sign and then Rocket right. written breakout. So what can we do that would be logical for the story? Uh, so we came up with the notion that, well, what if on the sign, the, the collector had said, you know, first time on display. And then Rocket, being Rocket, ripped off some of the letters and put on mission and then didn't have enough letters and spray painted breakout. So it tells. I'm just going to stand by the sign all day and tell the story so people get it. Um, every, one of, every one of them is going back and taking a photo with that tonight, I'm just not sure. But, and then, and then, but that's, it infuses the story to the point where the designer then, uh, the designers, the graphics people who did the sign, they put on mission in a way that wasn't perfectly straight, it was haphazard the way Rocket would have done it in a hurry. So it's all, it tells the whole story. So that's, that, that's, that's, that, 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 that. <laughs> and, and now you know why we need the writers. Exactly. <laughs> of course, of course. Brian, um, we've seen some images already. You know, we've seen the Guardians themselves. You know, you know about, there's some other supporting characters in the, uh, in the attraction. Yeah. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you use the term supporting players or supporting characters. It's actually interesting. One of the things that, that Joe drilled into our heads um, at the very beginning of this project, and I, and I don't think it's unique to this project, I think it's just great theme park design and philosophy, is that the story, even though it's called Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, 
the story isn't really about them. The, the protagonist of the story is the guest and what they're going through. And every character in that story is in support of whatever your experience is. Whatever, think about whatever attraction you go on, it's about you and it's about what you're experiencing on that attraction. So all of, even the Guardians themselves are supporting players, but I don't think that's what you're referring no, to. No, that's not what I was referring to. Um, uh, other, I mean, we had a blast. Uh, the, the queue in particular, uh, I think is where some, you know, us at, at Marvel, we really get to sink our teeth into diving deep into the into the lore, like Danny, Danny mentioned. Uh, his characters have been around for decades, and uh, you know, characters like Cosmo, and Ultron, who, who make you know brief appearances, but I think there's so many uh, Easter eggs that if you're familiar with the films, if you're familiar with the comics, if you're familiar with TV, uh, there's things in there that, that have been brought to life for the first time. There's there may be an Asgardian Warhammer in there uh, for you fanboys who might know what that might look like. Um, but there, I mean, there's so many great things, and that that was part of the fun uh, for us in, in creating this, and, and even the stuff that's hanging up above. Uh, you know, I think Danny sent us a list one time, or it was actually just a PDF of, of all the images of everything of above. Really? Yeah, and he's like, can you guys at Marvel just like name these? And we're like, yeah, that's gonna be awesome. So we, we looked at everything and thought about what does this kind of look like? What planet might it come from? What might the story be? Some of them are new planets that we made up. Um, some are from, taken right from the pages of the comics or from the films. Uh, and so, but each and every one of those things is named and, uh, and, and given a lot of thought into. And so uh, we just, that's to us, that's kind of the fun is, you know, if you don't know it, if you don't learn those things, that's okay. But if you, if you want to dive a little deeper and learn a little bit more, there's plenty there for the fans. Just scratch that surface. Yeah, totally. To find more. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I want to say, I'm sorry, I'm inspired to say this because we were doing a thing earlier and to Brian's point, um, one of the, one of the people that came through had already gone online. This is the fun part about the Marvel Universe and the Disney Universe coming together, is he already researched every profile and he knew, and he went through it and he blew Danny's mind. He was like, okay, I already found this one, and I found that one, and I was standing there going, that is what it's so awesome about it, to Brian's point. It's like, you can go deeper or you can not. It's, it's accessible, you know, and you can stay on the surface, but the, 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 the super fans are gonna come in and really have a blast. And we're going to make new fans out of those who are, who are, I mean, a lot of one of the things we talked about a lot yesterday were, is this attraction uh, okay for people who know nothing about the Guardians? And I think that's what Joe was saying about starting at zero. Um, you know, we can hold your hand through this and teach you about who each and every one of them are uh, and what their personalities are like, and then hopefully make new fans. And, uh, and then you go and revisit the films and then hopefully dive a little deeper and read some comics and watch some animation. and. You know, it's all one big cyclical uh, universe that we're creating. One big happy thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know what, one other thing I want to mention. Yep. There are nods in this attraction to other things that we are doing around the world. No. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, in, in true Marvel fashion, hashtag it's all connected, uh, <laughs> there are nods to the Iron Man experience in Hong Kong. There are nods to the Marvel Superhero Academy on the Disney cruise ship. There, there are, it's all connected, guys. And so we encourage you to be good fans and go on the interwebs and find all the clues and connect it all. <laughs> That's the fun. It's all part of the same universe. That's pretty cool. And we're just getting started. And this is just scratching the surface, like we said earlier. Exactly. Um, hey, Danny, we were talking about, in talking and looking at the collection, you know, 
mean, you show up as the art director, you've got this vast, you know, catalog of, of you know, artifacts from the collector. How do you decide, you know, what's on display, what's, what actually ended up in the collection? I have to start by saying one of those objects that are overhead uh, was designed by Joe, the mummy. He, he handmade that mummy, and then that Marvel named it the Gardening Gnome uh, from Asgard, which I just thought was brilliant. You're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're an official Asgardian, Joe. So, so as Brian had touched upon, um, you know, we wanted to make sure there was something for everyone. That there, if you're a fan of the films, we have, we have you covered. If you're a fan of the comics, we have you covered. If you're a fan of theme parks, we have you covered. Because Collector's Fortress has landed here at Disney California Adventure, right? So, um, so hey, he's a collector of Disneyana too, I guess, right? And um, actually, uh, there's so many different fun nods that we threw into every single scene. Um, you know, I'll give you some examples. You know, if look, um, look closely on the collector's desk in that uh, in the lobby video. Okay, there's some really fun references there. Look throughout his office, every inch of it. There's always funny things to discover. Um, I will tell you, there is a severed head of a small world doll. So <laughs> something creepy, something the collector would have. Right, right. Yeah. So um, so there's some amazing things, and and our partnership. I, I know the the uh, studios team. Um, gave us authentic film props, um, you know, and our, we always say it's in story, so it always works in story for us. Uh, but it's pretty cool to feature things that you might recognize from the Sanctum Sanctorum, from Asgard, um, uh, from, the World of, uh, from the World of Guardians of the Galaxy. And we're hoping that those will constantly be swapped out, that that exhibition in the very first scene is a always constantly rotating space. Um, and then again, we have some great references uh, to the comics. Um, someone spotted Dolores the Octopus from Country Verification Hoedown. Anyone else a fan? Anyone else remember So Disney Park fans have some things in there too. Yes, yes. Have, yeah, we have a lot of great stuff. Uh, one of my favorite stories, Kevin Feige uh, walked uh, the attraction last week, and he spent a lot of time in the office, like looking at every little detail. And he was staring at the collector's desk, and everyone was gathered around him, what are you looking at, what is that? You know, and he goes, dude, that's an alien encounter reference right there. And I'm like, that is awesome, Kevin Feige's such a huge theme park fan. It doesn't get any better than that. Just didn't miss it all, went right to it. Went right to it, got it right away. I love it. Joe, I wanted to come back to you, because I wanted to talk about the exterior. You hit a little bit on the exterior of the building. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the, the, the actual design of the exterior of the building? Well, there's a challenge, because Okay, so there's a challenge. We're trying to tell a story about the Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a film, Guardians of the Galaxy. There's an art direction look in the film, Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Then there's a building that we're starting from that doesn't necessarily look like any of the art direction from Guardians of the Galaxy, um, but can be made to look like something, right? So you've got two, two things you're doing. One is you, you have to give the building the character of the character. Remember, our buildings are not sets. When I started out as a set designer, when you design a set, you are deliberately designing an environment that will sit behind someone so they can perform, right? right? It's a bad set if the detail is jumping forward and commanding attention when the actor is trying to perform. Mm -hmm. These are not sets, these are characters. They are characters, they step forward so you can read them really clearly, so they speak to you really clearly. So they are much bolder than a set would be. Right. Um, they're way too attention-grabbing uh, for a set. 
So part of it has to be that. We talked about the form language and all that stuff. Right. Just to step forward and declare the character of the character. Then you have the second thing of stylistically, how do I solve the problem that I basically have a large, planar object? How am I gonna get this sense of the world we're trying to get with this big, planar object? So remember, we can draw not only from the world of film, but from the world of comics, from the entire Marvel Universe for our inspiration. So in this case, we went back uh, to really a classic Marvel artist, Jack Kirby, who is one of the first people to really develop complex technological patterning in the comics and said, look, here's a guy working in a planar medium, conveying the sense of technology with these huge graphic planar uh, designs. If we start there, start with that and dimensionalize that, we're starting from something that works in two dimensions. All we have to do is pull out as much dimension as we can with what we have, and we'll have something that feels like it came from that world. Because it did, it came from one of the origin people of this world. Exactly. Uh, not necessarily the world, the entire world, right? Um, and we can get something that feels right, right? And it expresses the character, but it doesn't have to be a copy of a famous thing you saw in, in, in film. Yeah, you had to sort of establish its own identity here for, you know, for the place and you know, the story we were telling here in this location. Um, we've been talking a lot about visuals, Danny, you know, in the queue line in this one, we have some auditory, we have some oral Easter eggs. You know, can you tell us a little about what's going on in the queue line? Yeah, you, sound? you bet. Um, you know, audio design is one of the best parts of working on attraction like this. And, and for our exterior... I completely, yes. <laughs> that was for you, John. I love you. Um, <laughs> I said that. Don't make it up. Um, <laughs> too late. <laughs> um, so for our exterior cue, we wanted to, uh, instead of having a, back, a typical background music loop, where, where you know, the, um, where, you know, uh, usually we have a, a kind of just an ambiance. Uh, we really wanted to do something in story. So um, and to start telling the story of the collector and he, that he's a collector of many things. One of the things you see visually is his uh, garden collection that we call it the Gardens of the Galaxy. Thank you, Steve Spiegel, for that one. Um, then, master, Steve Spiegel. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Um, but then we wanted you to hear um, the collector's vast music collection, uh, audio collection, just uh, sound bites, uh, uh, audio cues, things that he's collected from all over the galaxy. And that was a, another opportunity to pepper in some very familiar and, and funny items in there. So um, the way we have a set is Afeta, who's the collector's assistant. Uh, she sets up each clip by saying this is catalog number um, 1401. And then, um, and then we play the clip um, and just a little snippet of it. And you, some of the things you might recognize, for example, the collector in his collection has the Voyager um, space shuttle, um, spacecraft. And, uh, and uh, he has some of the recordings from the golden disc he found inside. So see if you guys can uh, pick out what those are um, in, that, uh, in that audio loop. Um, another one I want to talk about is the exit hall. So usually at the end of an attraction, you know, you're, you're pumped, you're jazzed, you just got off the attraction, and you're rushing through that exit hall, um, you're heading into the warehouse space. But we want to do something really special. We want to keep you amped up. So we were playing, we played the awesome mixtape from both volume one and volume two in there. So you continue that kind of 
you know, that uh, excitement as you're exiting out. But to make it even more special, because at that point of the attraction, uh, the Guardians are loose, we're making our escape through the warehouse, uh, and the collector has no idea what's going on. So he comes over the PA system and he's saying, where are my collectibles? Who's playing that obnoxious music? Turn it off. Um, and, and really funny, Benicio really got into the performance of that, which was a lot of fun. And again, in the spirit of kind of peppering a, a, you know, another layer on top of that, um, if you stick around the exit hall, which you know many of us don't, but if you stick around, you know you might hear some other familiar uh, character voices in there too. Um, some really really fun cameos, maybe a specific duck. Aww. That's not Donald. The other duck. Well, now you're giving it away, but okay. There's another duck. Daisy, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> Within all of our attractions, you know, one thing we haven't talked about tonight at all, and uh, Steve, I'm going to direct this at you, is our cast members. Yes. You know, yes. we actually had an interesting opportunity in this attraction in, in, to engage our cast members in a different way and sort of bring them into the story. I mean, here we yeah. see some examples visually, you know, the costume design. Talk a little bit about how, how you engage the cast members here. Yeah, we, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's story. We want, uh, you know, we want your part of the story when you walk in, uh, and we want the cast members to be part of the story too. We want to give them uh, what we call a role in the show, um, and and really, you know, cause the, the more we, the more that we give them, uh, they they give back, you know, and, and, and their performances, and it, it just makes it makes the whole experience uh, richer and better. Uh, so for this, we really wanted them to, you know, we, we really sort of built in the fact like, okay, you work, you work for the collector. He's this horrible boss. You know, you, at any moment, you could be, if you do the wrong thing, you're going to get put in a vitrine into a glass case yourself. You're going to join so, the collection. Yeah. yeah, you could be part of the collection. So, so it gives them a reason to want to help us, want, uh, want us to get the guardians out. Uh, they're in on it. Uh, but they're, you know, they're 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 a little nervous because there's cameras everywhere, and, and the collector might might see them. So it's always, you know, it's a little bit on the sly that they're, you know, and you'll see that, and they're and they're they're having so much fun with it, uh, and the costumes. It, it really is like, you know, they, it's all part of the universe that they're, they 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 fit into it, uh, and we're hearing just a lot of great feedback from the actors and from the, uh, from the cast. And the cast members are into getting into it. That's why. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Awesome. Those costumes are badass. That's why, right? <laughs> Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to wear that. Well, and so one of our other things, you know, Steph, we talk about, you know, cast members and how they're drilling us into the story and be, becoming part of it. But one of the things that was different you know, here as we enter into the collection is we have that video in the pre-show area. You know, how did you know what was some of the decisions behind that? How did we go about? How did you go about? You know deciding, hey, this is what we need here. Yeah, well, we knew early on, so we had that idea, right? The collectors capture the Guardians, and it's gonna be a breakout. This is, we're gonna help them break out. And there ends up being several things that you have to just set up. You have to set up that they're trapped, and then that Rocket escapes, and then that you need to help Rocket. And so there is this sort of, as we were kind of coming up with these concepts early on, this realization that we needed sort of those separate kind of story beats and the experience mm -hmm. to go through. Um, and also, uh, the other thing, which I think Joe mentioned, is just the idea that not everybody needs to know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are to experience this attraction. 
So in that first scene, you get the sense of like, okay, I get that this guy's the collector, and he doesn't seem to be like a very nice guy. <laughs> and um, the guardians are trapped, and I, I think they're nice people, and so like we should be able to want to help them. Uh, so that way when we go into uh, the office and Rocket recruits us, we want to help out. We do want to help out. Um, yeah, so that was, that was a, a big reason behind that. Any, any little Easter eggs or any details we should be looking for in the videos? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, everywhere. Um, like, I think Danny mentioned a couple, both in the, the office and the first um, um, exhibit hall. Mm -hmm. But also on the ride, too. Uh, there's so much content to see. I mean, as, as people come back and ride again and again, um, you'll see different creatures playing out different stories. Even if you see them in different vignettes, you'll see these creatures from around the universe kind of with their own dealing with their own, you know, <laughs> issues along the way. <laughs> their own version of what, what's happening in this building. Yes. Um, John, one of the interesting things that obviously had to be developed kind of ground up uh, for the attraction was Rocket. You know, first of all, how did the team decide to end up with an AA figure of Rocket? And how did, how did we get Rocket into the attraction? And talk a little bit about some of the challenges behind doing that. Yeah, it, um, well, it's hard to compete with that too, playing the background. But um, what's that? What are we looking at? There, there's an animatic of Rocket. It, it's one of the tools we use um, to help us develop it, develop the performance, how it's going to look in the space. Um, but early on, I think you know, it goes to what Joe was saying too, of, of, of just understanding the story what we're trying to do. And I think guardians are relevant in our world and a real world, or our, our heroes are too, and, and they need to be brought into three dimensions to really make it feel real and want to connect with it. Right, right, right. That's that's really the essence of it. And, um, and in this effort, again, to, to raise the bar and produce an attraction that uh, that our guests would love, the way they love Rocket, um, we thought this was really an important piece, an important element to that, and a way to really surprise guests. We've really been trying really hard to keep this one as secret as we could for as long as we could. I think we actually did um, so we we thought this was a great surprise. People were familiar with the old attraction. Think, oh, this is the old library, and you know, there was just a little TV on the wall. And so you watch people now, it's like, wow, it's rocking. So the the big challenge was, how do we get this complicated figure built? I know our our poor uh, animation folks were wondering, how do I get mechanics in that tiny little wrist? Tiny little wrist. Uh, so. The challenges that went along with that um, were enormous. And then of course, from my perspective, it's, it's wait, we're gonna do this whole thing in, in a year? We're gonna build that complicated figure? Um, so we certainly put that challenge out to the team. And, uh, and again, with these tools like this, through what starts with storyboarding and, 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 and a story, Right, yeah, you see the storyboard on the top left, that was sort of the, one of the early concepts about how to bring Rocket in, and the visual animatic that got developed right, right over it, there's a, a still And then they literally take that, that information from the animatic, and it literally just transfers right to the performance when we put it into... Also, typically, we would design and build this, but we just built it. They just started building it. As soon as we had the momentum to go, they literally just built it. Um, I've never seen anything like it. You know, we had a figure, we had the robotics in a very short period of time because there was no other period of like, let's draw, let's 
Yeah, that was gone. Do you think yeah. that got jump-started because we had the existing character? You know, I mean, we had Rocket from the feature film. He's sort of like shape. a prototype. to shape, yeah. But there's also that expectation, right? You know what it looks like, so there's an expectation that it better look just like the Rocket I see, right? right? So that, that's a big challenge, so. I don't know, did, we, did they deliver on the challenge? Um, Joe, you chimed in, 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 so I wanted to come back to you. Um, we didn't just create one ride experience. How many different ride experiences? There, there are six rides, six rides, um, and then six profiles. Then there, of course, are the six songs that go with the six profiles. Um, and then there are the tumbling assortment of scenes that are shuffled through those to create the rides that we have. The issue with the songs, which was really interesting, was how few songs really um, work with the ride. Because the, the, the um, I was saying this in the earlier um, panel as well, when you're riding this, the first thing we did was play the music and ride the old profiles. And even with the old profiles, you're just sitting there going, oh, for crying out loud, let's go, let's go, let's go, come on, we gotta go. Um, so the music pushes, pushes the, intensity of it, makes you want to go fast, makes you want to do more. And then once you set the ride to do more, then suddenly you find there's only like, I mean, I don't know how many, we went through so many songs. I mean, we started on paper, we started with several hundred songs. You had to ride the songs to figure out whether they would work or not, because it was quickly, all about what it felt like. Quickly learned a vocabulary about ride experience against you know, the energy of the music, and Joe's exactly right. There were some we were just like, next. That, we weren't even halfway through, it's like you just knew it wasn't going to work. Well, and and some, we and have, some of we course, all the original okay. composition. Right, some, some, some we thought would work, and then we're like, oh, wait, that didn't work. Yeah, we, there was a lot of learning about what worked and what didn't work. Basically. Like Magic Carpet, I thought that would be great, and then it has that weird long bridge. It's like, oh, for granted. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> And Joe's he said that while we were riding yeah. today. He was turning around and looking at you guys like, no, no, no. I get very critical of like, you know, whatever, we would be riding. You're like, oh, this is, oh, yawn, crickets, go, go, go. And you got to remember, this is all happening after hours because the attraction still working. So this is us. Of course, we're all, time is precious. You know, we're riding at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 o'clock in the morning. So yeah, we're all a little pointed by that point. It's like, <laughs> a yeah, someone can move on. <coughs> um, well, and one of the other parts, you know, I feel very fortunate is there's underscore, there's original music in the attraction. Um, we brought on um, uh, a great partner in Tyler Bates. Uh, Tyler Bates was uh, is the composer who wrote the music on, the, on both Guardians and the Galaxy feature films. And um, we weren't sure if he was going to want to join join the party because you know working on our attraction is a little bit different. Um, but Tyler was a, a great sport and actually got into it a whole lot and really enjoyed working with us. And, uh, I can, I can see future collaborations with Tyler. He really enjoyed it and uh, scored all the music for the collector and sort of helped set the tone of the collector. You know, as we got into the as we got into the uh, pre-show area. Um, going, I want to go a little bit further. Um, I'm going to switch gears back to the visuals. Amy, I'm going to come back to you. Um, you know, in the in the, the to save the visual world we created for the attraction is unique. It's, it is a bit of an understatement, but. Um, 
we're gonna have some video playing behind you uh, uh, talking about how do you capture, you know, how do you create visual media for a moving ride vehicle and not make us sick? So really good question, John. So I can, can watch that. Yeah, so meanwhile, they're doing this ride thing where they're just trying to figure out what song and what ride, and, and <laughs> we want to give them all the, uh, the ability to continue to finesse this ride and song. Meanwhile, the Guardians of the Galaxy, number two, is being shot, and I have to, we have, like, we have to shoot. We have to shoot, we have to shoot. Um, and really, the goal of um, all of the use of technology is to have it disappear. So you guys have an amazing guest experience where the technology really, it disappears. And so we got this really huge multi-camera array so that we could move up and down, we could reshoot this big, 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 big photograph. Um, and to give these guys the ability to to just continue to finesse the ride and uh, to get the amazing profiles that we did with the amazing music that we did. And I think that uh, they, uh, you can see that we are rocking and rolling um, on these uh, our performers because we really want to focus on the performance. So we have to recreate the space that the performers are in. And so I think that that's, uh, we're really successful in making the, the well, it's not a movie. Right, it has to be there. We are there with Rocket. You're shooting we, yeah, place. Right, we are exactly. shooting a place, yes. and that is the goal of this. And I think that making the film and technology disappear was the goal. And I think that I think that we did a, an okay job at um, just focusing on the character performances and the great music and and ride. So yeah, you can see a little bit. I would say so you definitely did <laughs> those character performances. I actually think we have a, I think we have an animatic too. Yes. This is this is one of the tools we got to watch. Here's Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Here's what we got to watch as we were developing the visual media. My dear friends, this is the moment you have been waiting for. Um, 
we were, we were included from day one, and so we, we broke the story together, we developed, we iterated, we debated, we argued, we, we did all of those things that are part of the creative process, and, uh, and so you know, what we're trying to do at Marvel is just help support them and give them all the tools um, that they need to be informed about who the characters are, what the relationships are, uh, how dive as deep as they, as they want to go uh, with all that information. And then they, you know, we're looking at everything from day one up until the release of the attraction, uh, looking at marketing images, uh, providing them with assets, anything we can do. I think some of my, my happiest days are, are kind of in the middle when we were uh, developing Cosmo. Oh, the okay. Cube. And Danny starts sending me texts of, of the, the evolution of Cosmo. You know, what do you think? How is this looking? And I've only had this feeling a few times in my life and it was one of those moments where it hit me that as a longtime fan and comic book guy, Cosmo, the telepathic Russian space dog, is real. <laughs> and, and I felt that way when I saw the movie, and I felt that way when he was sending me these texts. It was like, this is happening. This is awesome. And when we saw Rocket as an animatronic figure, like, there aren't enough happy face emojis on the planet, you know, to express how, how, we, how we felt seeing that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, we are just so happy to collaborate and work with them and provide them whatever they need to be successful in bringing these characters to life. Uh, and so it, it really has been a, a true collaboration. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and Dave, Dave, we talked a little bit about this too backstage. And I'm gonna read this question because I kind of wrote it up as we were talking. Um, you know, just like the Guardians, when individuals unite, the shared creative, the shared creativity and inspiration results in a bigger you know, collaborative opportunity. You actually had some actionable stuff come out of that collaborative, you know, relationship. Yeah, I mean, to Brian's point, and I, I think my favorite part of this whole process has been has been the collaboration and and the and the sort of magic of what you know, Disney is, which is all these amazing arms of creative people and creative divisions, and you've got studios, and you've got the Imagineers, and you've got parks, and you've got all these things working together like no other place on the planet. Right. And that, that type of collaboration allows for some really amazing things, and, and this image, for anyone who's seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, might, might recognize it, might not. Um, but I had a unique opportunity to go to my first R&D open house this year, and in that place, I'm gonna get kicked off the stage, but I tell you guys too much, but like the, the things that they're developing in that building from an innovative story entertainment standpoint, like why, like what John was saying about, like, and Joe was saying about just building Rocket, like the things that they build, you're like, this is like amazing, right? And you're going to tell a story with that. And anyways, the, the, the fun story for me, my favorite sort of moment of, of that collaborative process was we were over there for the R&D open house, me and, and Kevin and John Detroit, who was the producer of the film, and a few other people, and, and we were seeing all this amazing stuff. And and I got to see these these cool creatures and these cool characters. We're all obviously all about character at Marvel and, and personality, and they have such a unique personality. And I, I remember going, these guys are so cool. And, and then I think John saw them, and a few other people saw them, and everyone was kind of talking about them. 
and, and, and I told Kevin about it, and then someone told James about it, and then Joe talked to James, and there was a meeting, I remember one night, where we were all standing in, in the R&D building, and, and James is there, and he's seeing these, these creatures that were part of another thing. And he's like, cool, let's put them in the movie. And and everyone was like, okay. And you know, they and they just like that. Yeah. I mean it was literally like let's put them in the movie. And 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 instantly, I'll never forget that, was was um, we're standing there and I was looking at John and I'm going, I bet they're gonna say Bearheart. They're gonna say Bearheart. And James goes, Well put them on Bearheart. Um, and and because it was, you know, it was just kind of a unique place um, in the film, it sort of felt natural I think to, to James obviously. But 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 those types of magic moments and those types of storytelling uh, uh, possibilities made possible by, by all that is, is amazing. And, and they shipped over the 3D models of them and, and Victoria worked with Amy's team and the visual development team at, at the studio in the recolor and James gave his touches and you watch the movie and they're in there and, and that's like the character. It's awesome. That's terrific. That's terrific. Well, I know time's running late, and I, I think you guys might want to venture back out to the theme park, so we're going to turn the corner and start bringing it home. Um, I have one question for all the panelists, and it's just a brief question, because you all know it. Um, what's your favorite part of Mission Breakout, and what guardian are you most like? So I'm starting here, this and work my way down. Brian. All right, my favorite part of the attraction has got to be the, the music. I, yes. I think, I think it's become such a, so intrinsic to uh, what, how we think of Guardians of the Galaxy now. Right. Um, and so I, you know, having that music just changes tonally the experience. People are dancing. I just wrote it a few times with my kids, and uh, the Jackson 5 song came on, and everyone's losing their minds. I mean, this is fantastic. You know, uh, so I would say that's my favorite part. Uh, as for the character I'm most like as a, as a kid of the 80s, if I could turn myself into a giant Pac-Man, I gotta say, uh, I gotta go with Star-Lord, Peter Star-Lord. Dave? Uh, I would say my favorite part of the ride, this is like the biggest Homer answer of all time. Um, it's totally true. I love so many rides at Disneyland, and I've had a couple uh, that were my favorites forever. The first time I got off this, when we wrote it, like, almost done, I was like, cool. Right? <laughs> because you miss something, you, there's an Easter egg, oh, what song did I get? Cool, that's not, I love that song, cool. I got the line, rocket, my favorite line is the rocket line, the Disney line, that's, that's uh, an act story, inaccurate. Um, you know, those types of things. But it's really the whole thing. It's, I wanna get off, I wanna get right back on. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, if I had to pick a character, I would pick, pick the Grandmaster, but I'm not like him at all, but if I had to pick one to be, I would be the Grandmaster. I think my favorite thing about the attraction is just the unpredictability. Like, the number of times that I've ridden, I've like literally lost count. Like, between the overnight rides, the test rides, the install, like, anytime you change something, you gotta go ride it. Or like, oh my gosh, we put this box here, does it block Baby Groot? I don't know, okay, we gotta ride it. So like, we've just ridden so many times, like over 200, I don't know, 300 times. And I still don't know what's going to happen when I ride it. <laughs> I still get surprised by like, oh, we're going up now, oh, we're dropping. Um, I don't know. You wrote it earlier tonight. Yes, exactly. I did, and I still scream. <laughs> so it's just it's a it's a ride that just makes you giggle. You just you just right. have fun. You just laugh, and that's my favorite part. Uh, for 
baby group because I like to dance and eat sweets. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but really because I admire him. I think he's a really cool guy. That's awesome. Danny. Well, uh, this is kind of a cop-out, but I, I really like the characters. I, I think the fact that, you know, we have characters from the first film, the second film, from the comics, you know, be it Mantis even, um, it's just, uh, it's really cool to see them all come together. And uh, because this is the Galactic Premiere Party, um, I brought some, some, uh, some extra audio. What? Yes, yes, I brought some, just, uh, yeah, some deleted scenes, I guess you could call them, deleted audio oh. scenes. So when we record our, um, amazing talent or actors like Bradley Cooper, um, you know, they, they over-record, we get so many different lines, they ad-lib lines, we get so many great content, too much to use for the actual traction. So they end up in our vault. So we're opening our vault to you guys because you guys rock for being here at the Galactic Premiere Party. So we're gonna play this first one for you guys. Uh, this is Rocket, if you imagine, if he's riding on top of your vehicle on the gantry lift. So let's hear what he would have to say, yeah. Oh, my bladder! Oh, who's got a tinkle? <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones. And again, the vault never. Oh, by the way, Steve did not write that line. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally James and, and Bradley. And, and, and even this next one. So here's another one. So, kind of mentioned uh, a, a duck named Howard, uh, played by Seth Green. And uh, this was also awesome. Um, when they were recording uh, Volume 2, um, uh, uh, when they were bringing Seth in to record Volume 2, we talked to Jonathan Schwartz, the executive producer. Steph and I were like, hey, can you just, you know, slip in a line, uh, you know, just, just so we can have some uh, Howard cameo in our attraction. Uh, they just slipped in. He agreed to it. <laughs> and, they, and they came back with 20. They came back with 20. And so we sorted through all of them. Uh, we picked our favorites. But this one is a personal favorite of mine. Um, uh, so I wanted to play it for you here. Let's hear it. Oh, David Lynch, they really put a bee in your bonnet, huh? <laughs> uh, he's a provocative independent filmmaker. <laughs> so that's him teasing the collector, um, because he teases the collector throughout the exit hall. Um, and so that was one of the lines. Uh, we did, chose not to use this time, but uh, you know, maybe, who knows, the future is always changing. Oh, and my favorite character? Favorite character? Cosmo, because he's cute and cuddly, like me. Also has a bite. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amy, let's uh, move on from that one. <laughs> My favorite part of the attraction is actually watching people on the attraction, so the whole grabbing of the body parts, I definitely, that was awesome. Oh, hands on your neighbor. <laughs> <It's been the laughs> so watching everybody, like when the doors open and people are just sitting there stunned or screaming or whatever they're doing, that's my favorite part of the attraction is watching our guests or whoever we have riding with us, our guests, always our guests. Right, right, right. Character. I was gonna really, I was gonna fib and say Groot as well, but Rocket, right? Rocket! Rocket! Steve! Well, being the writer, uh, it's a line uh, uh, that Drax says. Uh, it, it allowed, Drax is such a fun character to write for. So, because he just says it like it is. So, it, it allowed me to tweak a, a, a familiar theme park trope in where the characters all thank you at the end of the ride. And so we have Drax, after all the Guardians say thank you, say, why are you thanking them? 
They sat strapped to chairs while we did all the fighting. You should be thanking me, thank that. <laughs> I just love that we got that in. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> and you know, and to that end, I, I, I would aspire to be like Drax because I, I am not, uh, clearly. But uh, uh, he's mean. sweet, he's innocent, he's childlike, and nobody messes with him. <laughs> there it is. John Morrow. I think uh, my favorite part um, is not maybe one part, but the fact that we had six, six unique ride experiences. And I think um, we tried really hard to make it uh, a great attraction that was repeatable and would give our guests uh, something new to see over and over and over again. Uh, and obviously there's more than you can even get in just one, one ride. And, and with six, it certainly gives the fans a lot to try to make sure you see them all. Uh, for favorite character, I would also say, not that I like this character, maybe aspire to, but Star-Lord, because he's the leader of the Guardians, right? Uh, I really like his, his, just his human quality, he's just really relatable, and he's an eternal optimist, right? He always just thinks he can save the universe. That's right. And so, um, anyway, I don't know if I'm there yet, but uh, that's what I like about him. <laughs> Well on your way. And Joe. So my favorite, so my favorite parts are all the parts where we ended up doing things that nobody expected us to do. All of those, right? Right. right. Um, but the quintessential one of those is when the doors close, and, 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 and you know, start things rocking, and the doors close, and everybody's expecting. The old ride, the previous attraction, and instead you just go boom, <laughs> <laughs> complete roof of the building and back down again. That is my favorite part. Um, now, previously you would ask which character I felt I was like. That is clearly Drax because of the blunt declaration of obvious truths, whether they are polite or not. That's a thing. Correct. Um, yeah. But the character that I think is my favorite is also the Star-Lord character, more because of Chris Pratt's role in really urging all of his fellow cast members to put so much energy. Uh, they were sandwiched between James Gunn and Chris Pratt. It was like this energy compressor machine pushing on <laughs> everyone. And, so, uh, and you see that in his performance. It's a very joyful performance. Um, you know, he's, what he's doing he is so obviously having fun doing. So it's Star-Lord, but really it's Chris Brown. It's not, that's great, that's great. Well, before I leave you, Joe, actually I have one more question for you. I have one last question. This is kind of an exciting time. This new attraction is just the start. You know, we've got a really great group of fans here. You know, what do they have? You know, what's next? What can we look forward to? So. You have to start one day. You have to start, right? You have to, if you're gonna do something, somewhere you start. We are starting. This is the beginning of the opening of a world of things that are going to happen. And the promise of that world is embodied in this project, embodied in its quality, embodied in its fun, embodied in its unexpectedness. Um, we promise you that the world that is coming will be as much fun as the fun that you've had uh, or are about to have 
with what we have done today, but there will definitely be more, and we will be there for you, and we will always deliver a story uh, that is something all of you can enter, enjoy, and play a role.